One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I Zen. Get nervous. I got nervous. Okay, I'm gonna... Ding, 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 ding. You need the music, that's why. Yeah, don't put any of my... Anything before this in... <laughs> Uh, can't promise anything. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to How to Break an Artist. I'm Alfie. Oh goodness me, I'm Finnellan. Yeah, um, and I am a broken artist. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Welcome back, everybody. That was Finnellan's. Uh, <laughs> you knocked it out the park, man. <laughs> um, what are we talking about today? We are in well, this massive capital letters right in front of my eyes. TikTok. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited and I have so many mixed opinions um, yeah and it's obviously been in the news recently so we're going to cover a bit of that uh, and yeah just just hopefully by the end of it well I don't think there is a basic understanding of that app yeah do you no um, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know anything about really um, the ins and outs of how TikTok works and the music sounds and stuff it's like of all the social media apps it's the one I kind of steer clear of because uh, I don't know. I've had my own experience with it. I find it quite addictive, and you know, it's, there's mm. loads of things. And I, I just, I don't know. I just decided, of all the ones, I'll kind of stick to what I know, which was, I suppose, Instagram. Like, do you use TikTok? You know, are you on TikTok? Like, I, I have one, and I know the podcast has one as well. And I've in the early episodes tried to post the stuff onto that, and I just gave up. I, I posted like a couple times at different points, but um, from what I know, because I've been diving into like the different socials and how they like best operate with the algorithm yeah. and all that. that's the one that like is like consistency and numbers and this kind of stuff that i have no interest yeah. in actually like applying myself to so but then as we'll talk about later there are tiktok artists uh, quote unquote yeah like artists who blow up on it yeah and i could just from the overall stories in the news that you hear like I would say, like, that story seems to be popular. This artist came, you know, mm. became viral on TikTok and then has gone on to do X, Y, and Z. So, Kinder Crow. Um, 
Keen, is that so? Yeah, I mean, like massive he, on. Do, uh, yeah. Not, <laughs> anyone who I know of on the, um, yeah. anyone's TikToks, he'd be the ones <laughs> who... Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. So these campaigns, these targeted pure, like, TikTok campaigns, we've kind of, like, it's so, we've been touching on some of these things, and, like, what's really exciting yeah. is we are going to get to go through these kind of mechanics and how they all work. So, uh, really fucking cool. Before we get ahead of ourselves, like, when did you first hear about TikTok? Oh, God. I assume it was... Oh, go on. You go. <laughs> you probably have an The answer. pandemic, I'd say. I was about to say that. Because reels were a thing in the pandemic. You would tell me. <laughs> I was. We spoke about this before, yeah. But but this is because of, you know, my my friend Josh, who mm. told me he, uh, he has this company, Zebra, and we're going to talk to him. But he was like, yeah, you've got to do Reels, man. Reels and TikToks, this portrait video thing, this mm. is going to be the thing. I would have been posting to Instagram when I was a teenager. Yeah. It would have been a thing yeah. to post covers on it. But there was no algorithm to actually benefit it or to serve it. So it's funny looking back. It was That's the kind of thing that like would have done bits on something like TikTok or Instagram yeah. now with the Reels. But you'd be doing it as Instagram posts. There was no algorithm that's boosting them. So I have that experience from years ago. Um kind of character building i don't know as a teenager yeah. it was a tough i i think that's why when i came around in the pandemic i was so just like over <laughs> i'd done it and i was just like i'm done I, I need to actually like go and like practice music and write songs and do all the other yeah. things yeah yeah so you'd done it and the algorithm didn't suit you at the time i kind of felt like that as as well when i was mm. like when when this when this guy josh was like reels and tiktok man i Went on to TikTok and I didn't really like it as as much as I, you know, the user experience as much for loads of different reasons. Um, but yeah, and so I started these things like real songs. I think I've told you about them before. I literally was being yeah. putting up my, my, my musical ideas every day in the know that if the more you post, it's all about consistency. Mm. So the more you post, the more you're feeding the machine and then hopefully the machine will help you out. I think that's kind yeah. of the the bare bones of what I understood at the time. And also there was nothing else to do. And I was coming up with these musical ideas. So I wasn't particularly like precious about them, do you know? And they were just sitting, they were just things that I was coming up with on the spot. So uh, I was able to kind of let go of the emotion behind them sort of thing. And they're all still up there sitting there. But a lot of the times, because <laughs> they weren't performing, they were getting no views. Yeah. I was really just, yeah, uh, disassociating myself from the art I suppose and looking at it as how can I play the system do you know what I mean like I do this and then also just experimenting with the filters because there's some pretty cool things there and that's then, what I liked about them and I like the the buskers bake the um what what were they called anyway the bus loaf covers again the same They're thing the it's like yeah I'd like sing I also make bread so I yeah. yeah started like an online bakery singing to my bread and I was thinking you know Part of me was like, yeah, that could be a thing, you know. Um, yeah. If I scrolled across one of my mates, or if I, yeah, if I scrolled across one of my mates uh, singing covers, replacing the word loaf or love with yeah. loaf to bread, I'd probably stop and go, what's going on? So I kind of thought, mm, that yeah. could be a niche thing. So, um, yeah, the Busker's Bakery started that and I started pushing that. But, you know, with, with low expectations, um, because... Loaf. Expectations. I mean, <laughs> because like in a way, like since I began music, like um, this whole idea of going viral has yeah. been like in the background of my whole career. 
by this time I was really just experimenting with it and you know I'm not talking to you as what we would now describe as a TikTok artist I remember when um, Searching for the Answers came out and Hudson Taylor started posting on TikTok briefly because <laughs> uh, it was like you were either in the studio or something so you you were just like trying the TikTok template it was like hi we're Hudson Taylor's this is our song and it this is like the back it was like it was interesting to see um and that's where i found myself is like i give it a go and i'm like fuck this <laughs> i'm just like i, I mean I don't have the, the amount power. of work that took i mean we did like five takes for for each of those videos yeah. and then you've got to go in and do these captions and like you know explain all the lyrics mm. and like we we want to give a little bit of a story behind the song and like i'm only doing this because that's what everyone else is doing and that's what seems yeah. to be working so but like, I'm not a video editor. I don't claim to be and I don't yeah. want to be. Thank you very much. But, you know, so I just found myself yeah. going, God, well, first of all, there's the, the music that has to be absolutely bang on. You've got to get it in 60 seconds, all this. And then, yeah, become a video editor as well. And then play the algorithm, release it at the right time yeah. of day. And I don't know what, release it amongst five other videos that you released that day. I don't, you know, so it's just yeah. a lot of work, a lot of thinking. And I was like, God, we're in a class studio. We could be writing songs right now. Do you know what I mean? Like we could be doing actual things right now um, instead of doing this. Yeah. However, if one of those videos blew up, would I be, <laughs> would I be talking like this, do you know, or would but, I be going, it was genuinely a good promotional tool to promote my band. And, and, and again, it just comes down to the look of the draw and perhaps algorithm and perhaps word of mouth. If it blew up, you'd be, questioning how to replicate it like how to do it again and like and that would probably pivot your art and how you're approaching even though you're already approaching in the way that you like well like partly at that point mm, yeah 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 interesting you see the likes of Kinder Crow or Noah Khan Zach Bryan Jesus Zach Bryan who's like one of the biggest artists at the moment if you look at like the numbers of stuff in the country scene yeah oh, well I've never I heard him but <laughs> I've only heard him because you've, you've told me about him yeah but I, there's a video of him playing a song. Um, it's like literally just him in like this, like humid nighttime. Just it's like red as a tomato, just playing the song in a port in a portrait video, and it's uploading them to YouTube. And um, it like blew up. I don't know however many million. And like really? that, it was like it's like in a couple of years. It it's really weird um, to look back when I was like, oh, this guy's pretty cool, and then seeing the actual like industry version of the person a couple of years on but there are people who just blew up during it that's happening now we're going to talk about some of these artists as well uh, but first i mean actually yeah good exercise for even people listening in what is the first song that comes to mind if i say you know tiktok song sing it now right now um what was it we can't make <laughs> rent so we window shop that one, across that one. <laughs> I don't know that one. I'm across, oh, I was thinking more. Yeah. Uh, I think I like this little life. You know that oh, one. Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the boys a liar. That was also um, the, my favorite one. Is um, I will lift her love and that. That's I never. <laughs> <laughs> There's the dogs there. They're yeah, like, they oh, love like that song. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, fucking uh, fighting about it. <laughs> oh, but I think, and yeah, be interested, um, listeners. Yeah, send it in. Like, I'd be so interested to know which which come to mind because it'd be different for everyone else. Dogs going to grow as well. So I'm gonna cut out the, the yeah. other two times I mentioned them because, but like, if we're talking about TikTok, he's the fella who, yeah. against my will, I've seen every one of his fucking 
flash mobs. Yeah, that's true. Flash mobs. So it's again, yeah, that must have been. I mean, you you have to think about a flash mob. That's the thing. It's like it's a mixture of people at home just doing things naturally, yeah. and then ah, someone or a team strategically going. Do you know what's eye catching? Because you would know this as a director, like there are certain techniques people are using to to catch your attention because only yeah. people are spending six seconds per video or whatever the hell it is. So the technique there is let's get a choir in and flash mob people in the street because it's an element of surprise. You Go just on. reminded me. I'll be two seconds. I have something. Okay. Excited. Janona's leaving. He's left the he's left the left the Zoom room. Very interested to see what this is now. Is it a fucking flash mob? <sighs> Your notebook. Yeah, so. So I'm going to catch my breath. Slightly do, 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 do. <laughs> I thought you In were about summer. to come back with a flash mob. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was me and the dogs. I was just going down like a rabbit hole, basically, in like um, summer, planning ahead for the release. And also the podcast, I guess. Which is kind of yeah. like. How do you do social media and like what's actually like the methods behind it? And um, I really hope it's in this notebook. Otherwise, I ran for fucking nothing. I have two of them, but um, two notebooks. Oh, I like this man. Deep research. You found it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Enlighten us. Social media formats. Okay. This is what I was thinking. So I was there in the summer. (laughs) Director head, director mode. Yeah. Um. It was looking at people who were uh, basically how do you how does TikTok work and how are people actually like getting people to watch their things because if you look yeah. at the retention even on our, on our own reels on Instagram it's interesting um, the attention span <laughs> um, I wouldn't say of our audience but like the overall the average um, a couple of seconds a couple of seconds I know so social media formats first person narration. TikTok sound with a wall of writing. First person narration is like someone speaking to you, so that would make you pause. Imagine you're like literally swiping, 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 the opposite of Tinder. And you're just, and, and, and they're trying to make you stop, basically. And then pattern interruption via a viral hook. So hook one is introduce a problem and then you find a solution. Hook two yeah. is a first person narration. Hook three is a direct audience call out. Hook four. Yeah is a question or a scenario or proposition. Hook five is motion, so you play with the eyes. And hook six is the oddity. So something like in a film, for example, you might start the scene by just like a lamp is in shot. You're like, why the fuck's a lamp there? And then you'll find out because it will pivot and then it like mm. reveals. Those are the hooks. Those are yeah, how people are wow. making them stop. And I looked at all those and I was like... <laughs> could not be fucked <laughs> I mean that's like yeah I mean that's like that's like it feels like you're making a fucking movie do you know what I mean it's like it can all these movie. things yeah <laughs> no I know um, and then yeah like there comes the financial thing which you know as, as far as I, I know dogs it's Socialists. just like I know they're just like come on they need to pay a bit more because like <laughs> yeah there's kind of like the financial things like they're not known to like pay out loads of money do you know what I mean um, no. I think a lot of people influencers content creators artists people who, who do see success on that platform see it mostly for promotion like it might send them to you know uh, streams I, I don't know we're going to kind yeah. of find out which which artists cross over there's been loads of actually studies done like similar uh, with like the data and stuff people have gone through loads of 
of data with it. And um, I watched a really, can't remember who who made it, uh, what the production company was. I'll find, I'll, I'll find out for you. But it was about your man Jake. Do you know that guy? Juf. He had that song Golden Hour. It was um, Jufke. J- uh, uh, Jufke. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Jufke. Yeah, yeah. That's J V K E. Yes. Yeah, and okay. Um Jake is his name, and okay, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting. Oh, I can't Golden remember hour. who's Golden Hour is a song. Yeah, do bit do bit. It's that. Uh, that that's the hook. That's the part you yeah. hear it, and it will be the TikTok sound. Then people. Oh, will... it looks great. Like if you have a the video of an animal, if you have a mm. uh, you know a nice landscape or whatever. Like you play that music, it looks amazing, yeah. and it like yeah, that also is not an accident. I like I was looking into his story. He started filming his mum, and he'd go, "Hey, mum." what do you think of this song? Or do you know this song? And he'd like have his phone there and he'd film his mum. And then his mum would give her opinion of the song or she would also say, yeah, I do know this song. And she's just really like, just seems really cool. And they both seem like they have a good, you know, mother-son relationship or whatever. And like, they're really just personable and relatable, I suppose, to a lot of people. So these, this format for him started kicking off. And then, I mean, he makes music there. It seemed like a musical family. The mum's very musical, you know. So they started making tunes and then pumping them out through TikTok and then obviously having a independent independent setup as well, like releasing the songs. And yeah. then, sure, it blew up. Like, that song, you could not get away from it. On radio, when did you streaming. First hear it? I first heard it through some video. And I, you know, it, it, it clocked my ear and it sounded really familiar in a way that, you know, most songs that Transcend do, they kind of have this sort of like, uh, you know, familiar thing about it. And I just yeah. remember hearing it and going, well, yeah, it sounds, you know, like it's like it's meant to be with that video. I think I might have seen it with like some, you know, super focus animal video. It lo- just looked amazing, do you know? And uh, um, so I remember hearing it in that context. And then I remember, yeah, because I actually did, I was around this time last year, uh, Gabrielle was in Brazil and I was yeah. out there with her helping on a number of different roles and I part I was kind of part of the social media team uh, in like for her f- album being promoted over there so I was quite heavily invested in it all and I was learning loads about it and also people in in her team were either working with Jake or trying to work with Jake so I was kind of like just interested in it all but everyone was talking about them they were kind of talking about TikTok artists and I was realizing and then like Josh, obviously, who we're going to speak to, he's continuing on following on Instagram. He's talking about the, you know, all these amazing bands who are cutting through and all these amazing acts who are coming through TikTok and stuff. So that's when I started really hearing. And then, yeah, Jake, that was kind of the first one I was like, all right, that's crossed over now. Like I heard that on on me fucking reels and now I'm hearing it in the shop when I'm getting a sandwich, you know, and I have one for you. Go on. Did you come across Noah Khan on TikTok at all? Or when did you... I've, was it me just telling you, you about telling him? You telling me about him, man. You, you telling me about him. Now, now he's not off my screen. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I hear he is a TikTok artist, is he? Or he would consider himself as a TikTok artist, I think. Um, or what is it he, say, he says? Because we're going to get on to this. He's got some, He's like, thankfully I'm not one or something like that. Well, I believe there might have been a bit of sarcasm behind that because there is this whole story. I'm not great with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, won't be able to promote my music on TikTok anymore. Luckily, I'm not a TikTok artist, he said. So uh, he's kind of saying, I yeah, am, you know, a TikTok artist. And, you know, we'll get to that. That's this big story that's happened uh, in the last couple of weeks and you know, very confusing what's going on. But um, 
he was sharing his songwriting process on TikTok. Is that so? Because um, he's, he's been going I've for a long time, it, hasn't he? He has multiple albums. And um, I think it was a case of, like, in COVID, he went to write, like, I would say, like, the Damien Rice kind of album where you just kind of, like, go and just write. Ca- like, Cabin like, in the Woods, the Bonnie Bear sort of thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, that uh, kind of shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, no, an amazing album as well. Um, this is his Stick new one, Stick Season. Yeah, it's a lovely album. Yeah, yeah. really, really good songs. And on it. I think it came about where, like, for Stick Season, the song, he came up with that idea. Well, this is the story, anyway. <laughs> uh, there's the the pure story and whatever the fuck happened. <laughs> <of notes>. um, <laughs> um, and he like posted a snippet of the song and it did really well on TikTok. And he was like, then he posted another snippet of the song, and that was the kind of process yeah. of it. But it would have been a COVID thing as well. But that song blew up. So. He has a song coming out, I believe, Friday the eighth. I don't know what date it is. Okay. Um, and it is a song that he's been teasing on TikTok for maybe like a month or two. Yeah. And like literally like ten, I don't know, like a ten second second uh, snippet or whatever. And people have been using that as the TikTok sound for their videos. And like the song is essentially like blown, blown, blown up, even though it's not released. Lewis Capaldi did this as well with the song he wrote with Ed Sheeran called Pointless. It was the first verse, I believe. Yeah. And they were playing that on the radio. They were playing the first verse first on the radio verse. because it was blowing up on social media and the song wasn't even out. It's like this mad thing. Yeah. So I guess as a songwriter, it's that. Uh, if you have this massive audience and it connects you because you're framing the video intimately and all this stuff. But I couldn't imagine like the pressure to be writing and then sharing it. And I don't know. It, it seems like there's a line there. There is a line, but some artists are doing it well. I heard another really interesting story just in the research for this. There's one guy called Tom Rosenhal. Have you heard him? There's one actor called, called, with a similar name, but um, this he did a cover of that song Home by Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. That was, I think, the first social media fucking uh, TikTok song I I remember. And then I, I remember only, you doing those. We did that as well. So again, like the that's, same that's format was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> the same format was a thing for YouTube. Do you know, a similar platform which we've spoken about or whatever. Now it's coming around again. Everything's portrait, and there's all these tricks of the eye and tricks of the camera that you're talking about as well. And you know, people are becoming savvy and putting formats in because there's information available about how the algorithm works and all the rest of it. But this fella, Tom. He's like a British folk artist and he's got, you know, loads of albums out or whatever. He released this song Home and it blew up. And then it came to like, I think it just blew up as a sound on TikTok and it came to actually then releasing it independently. And he was like, I don't want my whole career as Tom Rosenhal, whatever his name, I don't want my whole career to be known for this one cover that I did whenever. So I'm going to come up with a pseudonym. And he oh, put wow. about on Twitter four names. Which one will I be? And the name that one was Edith Whiskers. So if you look up that song, it's home cover, whatever, by Edith Whiskers. And your man yes. is, is actually the guy who owns the master. And he did that because, you know, he wouldn't want to be known as the artist That's who brilliant. does. Yeah. And so it's a, he's kind of found a way around it. And also, yeah, has lots of inspiring things to say about how to work this to independent musicians' advantage. Do you know? And there's been like... Some other stories as well, and like I, I, I'd be interested to you know, and we'll talk to Josh about this. Like I'd be interested to compare reels on Instagram and how 
the crossover between the two of them and streams and like where is this all mm. going so like people do blow up on TikTok it's a thing that's happening there's good things about it there's lots of bad things about it yeah where does it all go does it lead to streams does it lead to money does it lead to gigs does it lead to <laughs> mental health crises does it lead to you know well, like why, where does it like yeah because it's it just feels um it feels like a lot of a lot of things which is like you're doing it for the glimmer of hope it's like you don't mm. actually you know you'll 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 go to so many lengths just to get that little bit of what hope or recognition or perhaps money really so it's like it i feel like it plays with that emotion a little bit which a lot of it gets so many musicians because we just want to do what we want to do right and we're just going to do it anyway so we'll we'll adapt but this adaptation might be a big waste of time for us because <laughs> it's just fucking luck of the draw sorry go on who who um so the thing is like there are artists whose song blew up in tiktok and then um you see videos of them playing their gigs i don't know the person's name but it's like they'd actually like be calling out their fans at the gig for only knowing that one song i know and i think yeah. someone who does really well with this is passenger where whenever he, he's like i have this song called um let it go and that's like and they're like you know just like he he plays the frozen you know, like, let it go just, exactly. such, yeah, yeah he does like yeah. stand-up comedy essentially like he but, is yeah like you well, this imagine, artist, like, Cordelia, who's known for her little life, like, I looked into her back catalogue the other day. It's absolutely brilliant. But, like, she's, unfortunately, I think, the wider internet weird. know her yeah. as, as the person who's written that song. And, you know, people have come up with all sorts of theories about that song. This is the other thing. Like, it's a breeding ground for conspiracy theories, for all this stuff we've been talking about, toxic masculinity, like these mm. spirals. Like, it's it's, there's a lot of dangerous stuff on there i believe and you know uh like <laughs> as well yeah. as nice music and cuddly things and charitable causes and all sorts of good stuff so it's just yeah it's a melting pot strange as well because uh you can post a video and then someone can comment something like that like when you was talking about like bre- bre- being a breeding ground for shite someone can comment something of that order and then at the top of the comments is like a, a search um, that you can yeah. press based off that comment so it can be something like completely out of order or out of left field and nothing to do what you posted and suddenly at the top of the comments it's a thing that you can now press to search you see it with celebrities like you watch like um, a certain <laughs> a certain actor I don't know doing an interview and then at the top of the comments is blah blah conspiracy scandal uh, yeah, or whatever yes like, yeah yeah and people lap it up because you know it's just it's like clickbait, you know. Whatever you can do to get the attention is yeah. the thing. But I don't know if music should be that. Well, a lot of people go, oh, you just have to ignore the comments. It's like... Mm. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard to. Um, yeah, but then there's other, like, you know... Uh, I don't know, I'm interested in, like, the algorithm versus word of mouth, or is it both together? Mm. Like, is it one of those things where does the algorithm pick up on something if it's being widely shared? So are people still in control yeah. of this thing? And yeah, like I, I don't know the ins and outs of how that stuff works, but I love, and Linda touched on this a bit, it's like accessibility, everybody has it. It's a real leveler in terms of, you know, how yeah. we, like we all have access to this thing and, you know, not many people are seeing huge amounts of money from it. So it's kind of like, Strange. I, I'm equal to, well, you know, 
a- anyone else basically we all have this same platform and Alex spoke on it as well and we you're a bit below have- actually just that's right. <laughs> no, I am a, a good bit below. My TikTok presence is fucking awful. I don't even know what I have on there. But uh, it certainly will not be there any uh, until when this episode airs. <laughs> you pop up on YouTube Shorts um, for me. Do I? It's uh, Where's the Loaf? The Black Eyed Peas one. <laughs> ah, come to think of it, actually. Uh, when I told you before, I did a little bit of stuff with YouTube in the past. But like that would have been, this would have been one of the zones. Like, obviously there was a prediction that this was going to happen but I remember like that yeah. sort of that sort of stuff like portrait becoming a thing and like that's only come about in the last few years right YouTube shorts mm. and reels and I don't know I'd be so interested to know who started it but it also doesn't matter for this podcast so I don't really care but what makes TikTok different to other social medias do you think? I think it's for example on Instagram the interface of it there's a load of different things to do um Photos, carousel, like multiples and multiple photos, reels, stories, notes, DMs. It's kind of like very, a lot more person, personal, personable. And then, yeah. Uh, TikTok is literally just like monkey see, monkey do. Like, <laughs> it's know, like swipe, that. Swipe. Well, also, it's like the second biggest search engine or something now, isn't it? So it's like if people genuinely gonna, search for information and they go, oh, how do I, you know, do this? And they'll look up TikTok rather than Google. The thing is, know. I so like it's it's interesting being on these platforms as a musician or as an artist um in comparison to being like a TikTok creator or a YouTuber or whatever yeah um like when when what you refer to your content or what you do is um if that like word involves the platform in it like a YouTuber a TikToker or whatever um you're reliant on a platform that might like fuck off someday TikTok especially um <laughs> not going to politics but like like they like there's like there's things there like yeah well that's what's well that's a big difference about it it's it's a you know a, to us a foreign app it's it's like chinese owned or whatever so so perhaps so it could just disappear literally if you're reliant if your career is reliant on it it's a yeah or if your music career is reliant on that app and suddenly your account could be deleted tomorrow like for whatever reason it's just if it just goes tomorrow it's like where where else are your eggs like what basket are they in like well, we're, we've literally seen this. So, like, you know, uh, it, it has for a third of the music in the world has just been wiped off TikTok, you know, and we're going to get into it yeah, uh, later <laughs> Later in. Uh, just saw me cop onto it. I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, without consultation of the artist, that's the thing. So that's why, you know, we're sensing a bit of um, a bit of irony, a bit of sarcasm from um, Noah Khan there saying, you know, it's good yeah. that I'm not a TikTok artist. He very much sees this as, you know, a big driver in his career and how he's got out there. And, you know, as you explained, there's a story there. Perhaps it's um, been a homegrown story or a PR story, whatever, but it's worked and people are behind him. And so, he's brilliant as well. That's and he's very good and he deserves it. And, he, and he, you know, um, whether he's a new artist or not, I don't really know about that's that. That's the mad thing. Yeah. That's, because, indus- that's the yeah. industry the thing of like yeah. someone who's been around for years and because they blew up in recent times they're classified as the new art a best new artist which is mad it's like no it's like a long ass graft you know <laughs> no no exactly i mean you're just like i yeah you're you're a new artist you've released one song do you know mm. what i mean uh, an artist yeah. with three albums in my opinion like is not a new artist but i think you're a new artist as well i know because i'm this new solo artist but i'm not you know yeah. so it's just weird um yeah i suppose i am a yeah, new artist well yeah yeah feeling 
<laughs> the same really <laughs> uh, we're all new artists now but yeah I think um, there's one thing I like I remember when it started turning bad so we've kind of spoke about these artists who have come up and uh, Sam Ryder is another one from the UK he um our good friend Sam Ryder, need to know. We, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, um, told my tongue. <laughs> he, I believe, came about via TikTok and then ended up on the Eurovision. And sure, look who's sponsoring the Eurovision now TikTok, you know? So Whoa. it's very interesting. And that's had a real resurgence. And like TikTok has had a massive role to play in some of these catalogue artists as well uh, Sophie Alex Baxter I think um, Linda spoke about this what's it rumours remember your man on the skateboard going around listening to um, oh Jesus yeah Fleetwood Mac yeah that like, right on the dance floor yeah now it's yeah. a TikTok sound do you know um, what I mean yeah so it's like it also has that role to play as well so um, yeah but I, I can't I can't really fathom for example, like if my song therapy just randomly blew up tomorrow, I think it would make me feel weird because I'd st- I'd be walking around Cork City and I'm like, and then I just have this fucking whatever the snippet is <laughs> ringing in my head. I'm like, fucking, I I, I got you going insane. What would you feel? I don't know. Like it's um, you know the 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 thing is on the cards. The possibility, obviously, like I have so much catalog out there. All since has been actually wiped in the last couple of weeks. I just checked it up today, and there's no Hudson, oh, well. anything. Anything that's put, been put out Hudson Taylor from Universal does not exist on that platform. So he's some. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's a big. You know, it's not actually a big thing for me because I, I don't really use the platform. But it also prevents any of those songs from having that experience via those, any of those masters those current recordings because what I also realised is our second label we did some re-records so there is actually a version of Battles on TikTok because it belongs to Rubyworks who don't belong to Universal so that's the other thing like it's not just Universal music it's like a third I heard of the third of all the music on TikTok this is like all their subsidiary companies as well so they have you know various subsidiaries but I think we go into that in a minute because uh, we've more stories to cover. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk to you about, um, yeah, the first time I kind of saw, saw it or sensed it going bad and it kind of ca- like news coverage went from this amazing TikTok artist to what sort of impact is TikTok having on the music industry? The first kind of big crossover mm. story for me, and I don't know, do you remember this, was Halsey... Um, she did like a video, I think it could have been on TikTok. And ironically, it actually went viral. But the video kind of spawned from her oh, yeah. being upset about yeah. the label wanting her to fake a viral TikTok moment before releasing the song. And yeah, it kind of split up the internet a little bit because some people felt bad for her and then other people felt, you know, well, this is what this is just what you do. Do you know? This is music. Same thing happened with like Charlie XEX and also Charlie Puth, um, you know, massive artists and even Ed Sheeran and fucking... His TikToks. Who? Ed Sheeran? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. No, not Ed Sheeran. Charlie Puth, yeah, I don't know. I've never seen him. Um, I'm starting <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now I'm going to go to LA and just be fucking on yeah. <laughs> So look, this is from Budfeed, BuzzFeed News in, when is it, 2022, I think. Uh, the first citing earlier posts from Charlie XAX and Charlie Puth noted that an increasing number of artists have been open about how much pressure they feel from their labels to post on TikTok. Mm. They were surprised when artists who aren't t- typically linked with the app, like FK Twigs and Ed Sheeran, also chimed in. So 
I mean, there are literally labels <clears throat> telling some of the biggest artists in the world here to <laughs> shake your thing on TikTok because, yeah. you know, this was in 2022 sort of thing. I'm, I'm pressuring her. And, and I must say, I felt a bit of that pressure. I didn't, you know, there was a few people I worked with who said, why aren't the lads doing stuff on TikTok? You know, um, even though like within the contract I signed, and this is what I find so interesting, and it parallels when music videos came around. I ne- TikTok didn't exist when I signed my contract. Therefore, yeah. do I even have to play ball <laughs> with what company? You know what I mean? Um, so, but yeah, go on. No, if you wanted to keep going, it. Sorry, too many, too many thoughts. You mentioned Charlie yeah. Puth and the contrastor that then. Do you know Benny Blanco, the producer? I've heard. He's worth the Gavin yeah, James. Yeah, I've heard. I heard of him. I think. Um, yeah, some other stuff. He's. I, I like. He's worked with like everyone basically. Um, yeah, I've definitely heard the name. Uh, his TikToks for a while were just him taking the piss out of Charlie Puth, <laughs> and, like, and like, and that was it. Like, it was just like Charlie Puth's thing is, oh, this is an A minor, like whatever. It's like perfect, perfect pitch. And then Benny Blanco would just be like, oh, I'm Charlie Puth, blah, blah, blah. Really? <laughs> just like, and like, there's the counterculture yeah. to it all, which is also like, so if you were like, and this is the fake TikTok moment thing, if your labor were like do the TikTok thing this way just as easily you could go my label want me to yeah. do TikTok and I don't want to do it but I'm posting this to TikTok it's like same thing yes. either way it's like yeah, yeah. there and it scoops people in call to action that's one of the hooks yeah it's like two camps it's like one but also you can it's this just fine line of how, how like it's not suited to every artist I don't know Maybe it's the AJM or something, but like, it just, it's not, it doesn't feel natural to me to film myself. Like, I know I've had to do it in my career, but now, like, it just doesn't feel, I don't get the thing from it, you know? And I, like, I don't know. And I don't, and I also recognize it's a lot of work and there's no pay. And like, I don't, it doesn't suit me to be this person and to share, like, like as I do genuinely think you know someone said to me the other day when I was having a conversation about social media it's like but you have an interesting life Alfie just talk about it. it's like mm, I don't know I'm so mixed about you don't <laughs> I don't it's boring <laughs> but like no. do you know how but much I give away if yeah. I was maybe more personal Jesus would I be big on TikTok do you know what I mean but it's like it's, it, it's the idea of Alfie is the interesting mm. thing I guess whatever the idea someone might have of you um, and that's a general thing whatever I assume it would be really interesting if Damien Rice had a TikTok, but it probably wouldn't be. But you can. But I think it's almost that allure of like not knowing is cooler. I'm I, like I, I'd rather not. I think Blameway talked about that of just like, like he's like, oh, if, if I find an artist, I, I don't want to look at their social media. It's like it's almost that thing of like I just I don't want to know all this shit about you. I just want to listen to your music and have this like. Yeah, but there's that camp, and then there's also we've asked, after talking to Alex, there's people who love that and lap that up and want to know more. So. It's like, um, yeah. it's just finding this balance and finding out what works for you. And yeah, I, I don't know. And then and then there's the algorithm stuff going on at the same time. And also, yeah, marketing campaigns and people pushing pushing big money into it. This I found interesting on the same article yeah. from BuzzFeed. George Howard, uh, an associated professor of music business and management at Berkeley College of Music, told BuzzFeed News that artist complaints about having, ma- having to make TikToks reminded him of what happened decades ago when artists initially weren't thrilled to make music videos for MTV. There were a lot of artists like R.E.M. that said, hell no, I'm not going to make videos. That's demeaning, and I didn't sign up for this. I mean, that's 
that's huge you know and then Howard said mm. but there were other artists like Duran Duran who said okay I'll do it hold my beer and then you know made made some of yeah. the biggest music videos and these music videos yeah drove their record sales and there was actually you know big financial gain the difference here now yeah is is there that financial gain in the same way does it provide the same no. economy to all creatives i don't think it does because you're looking at a music video as we said big budgets you're hiring all sorts of people you know now it's just it's not the same you know i have a weird view on it which is in work on music videos i see it there's the music video and then there's like the effect of the music video in a modern way for these socials. So it's like if I was to do one for you, for example, just I'd also look at like the overall like perception of what your brand is yeah. and help you just define that for you and just hand that off to you as well. Because I think it's useless to just do one music video and then have the artist be kind of a bit lost then as to what to do visually and aesthetically yeah. and all that. I find that very interesting and I'm very like um, fulfilling and stuff. I love hearing a genre that has nothing to do with my genre and tap into going, okay, I see this kind of video in my head and I see this kind of aesthetic free based off that. And yeah, that's the benefit is like, if you can hop on to what the image of the the, the artist is easily without then having to see what they're eating for breakfast, then the artist has won. But then you can go the other way. Now, like, I'm from fucking Cork. Like, I, like, I don't have the confidence <laughs> to hop on TikTok, show you what I had for breakfast, vlog my day. And Like, even when I lived in the UK, I didn't have that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't think I could ever yeah. do it. But I do enjoy that. Like, I'm giving, like, I'm giving Instagram a go at the moment. Um, I feel like an old man, but but it's Jesus, but I find it's you, just posting. Like <laughs> I'm in my mid twenties now, <laughs> but it's like finding things from like different moments that I caught and then post them way after yeah. the fact. But if I sat down in front of a phone to record something, I think I just cringe at myself yeah. too much. It's just such a fine balance. Some people do it well, and but but that's the thing. It's like it doesn't suit all artists, and artists are you know, in my experience introverts like you know not particularly extra and it's yeah. a very extroverted app like if you know like there's no one seeing my face now but like just i don't know this even just just talking like being you know we talk, spoke about it last week how do you do this it's like there is a block there and um i don't know for me it's been even really hard to like release this and come to terms with oh god i'm what i'm saying is is out there do you know and you feel i how, how do you find it um how do you find meeting people and they listen to the Ah, uh, good, because you get to have chats that I never had before. So I find it very liberating and it's it's living in the real world rather than what would happen previously, which was, how's the music, Alfie? Oh, it looks great, doesn't it? Oh, you're having <laughs> yeah. a great time. How's your brother? Yeah. How's your brother? You know, whereas now it's like, okay, I'm not going to ask him. <laughs> yeah, do you know, <laughs> and, and so it's just way more honest and I and I like yeah. it. Uh, however, do I bring this honesty to an app or to like TikTok where it could be, you know, <laughs> it could just be, I don't, I don't know. It, it's like, do I do that? How much work does it take me to do that? Like too, too much. Yeah. You have to do and you have well. to do it well. And exactly. The and high. then there's like, you know, the comments are not nice and like I have to spend more time on the app which I don't particularly like doing and you know there's just 
all of this nuance which I feel gets lost there whereas with these words and not seeing yeah. my face or anything or your face it's just you know it's like you've ha- you've no choice but to listen to it obviously you can turn it off but yeah. it's a lot more detailed whereas I just feel like the detail doesn't come across on TikTok but again with more nuance it does because I've actually learned stuff from that app you know and as yeah. uh, for some pretty detailed stuff as well, so including a lot of this research that <laughs> that I've done today, you know, <laughs> it's so interesting. I'll give, I'll definitely give it a go at some point. Like, but I not, but <laughs> like as I said earlier, like that was August where I just spent a couple of weeks doing. I think I spent like the month of August just prepping things, but one of them was just taking a dive into how social media. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to figure out social media. <laughs> that was the same with my real songs, just trying things out, but. It just, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what to fucking say to you if you're not. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I actually was going back to, yeah, to the little bit of social media work I did. I was partly involved in getting a video to go semi-viral in Brazil of Gabriel's. It was like a, an engagement video. I was taking loads of, you know, social media stuff, put it together after the show. And it had, you know, it, it sort of, it sort of blew up. Someone and like, yes. And then like, the song Home was their song that they wanted to use at the wedding. So it, there was kind of a little tie-in with the music. So it kind of worked and it was a nice moment. But like, it took a long time to edit. It was back and forth a long time. I know, like, I know just from doing that whole experience, like, I know hmm. that Gabrielle doesn't find it enjoyable, you know, as at an artist that's say that level. And then we've heard, like, you know, Halsey's had trouble, Charlie X, the X has had trouble, it's, you know, there was that sort of pressure there. And then what's mad interesting, I think, this year is now it's sort of from the biggest company in music, there's been this huge reversal of, hey, all of our artists, you need to get onto TikTok. We are pressuring you as an industry, us as Universal mm. Music. We are finding artists on TikTok. We are also telling our heritage artists to get on TikTok and, you know, shake their thing. And now in the last few weeks, what's happened? They've after fucking pulling out, pulling out. Yeah, there was a deal that they've had since for the last couple of years and they've not been able to agree a new deal, basically. And there's this big fucking standoff. Massive aspect would be as well the the, um, the purchasing of catalogs and things like that, like legacy artists and stuff. I know I like this came to mind because I, was, I went to the cinema yesterday and in the film the Beatles song Now and Then was in the film mm. a couple of times and I was like what the fuck I was like this isn't yeah. like because and only because the podcast I know that their catalogue like is owned by someone it's like that kind of thing of just like but on TikTok it's the same where that's not on TikTok now the Beatles are off TikTok we're talking Jesus. about the biggest artists because uh, yeah like <laughs> Universal have made that call. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. What were you saying there? Um, oh, it's just like, uh, how do I phrase this? Like a sync license would be like when your song is synced to yeah. a visual medium, like a, let's just say TV yeah. and film. For um, yeah. And ads and um, music videos even. And like TikTok is just like a modern sync where you don't actually get paid yes. <laughs> for it. So, like it is a parallel kind of Spotify where it's just like another thing where 
this is a version of a thing where you're not going to get paid where it's going to benefit off your yeah. product so i do think like i don't know as I, every once in a while i say like i'm not i'm not like an anarchist yeah. or anything but i do i do slightly enjoy when something like this happens i'm yeah. like oh interesting let's just see what well happens what's going to be cool is talking to josh about it because he just has I think a positive outlook on all this. He sees it as a real positive marketing yeah. tool for artists. And, you know, you will see what his vibe is, you know, when we get there. But I really wanted to know, like, okay, this is a deal. This is the first time I've heard about these titans of music clashing. TikTok, the biggest social media app, arguably, or if it is, I don't know. But And then Universal Music, the biggest label. Button heads. So I was like, okay, when was this deal agreed in the first place? And then I went looking back and I go and find this article there from 2021, Music Business Worldwide. I think previous to 2021, Linda spoke about this as well. There wasn't the back end for TikTok. So things were blowing up and and transcending into, you know, popular culture. Uh. But the music industry did not have its shit together yet and it didn't have any deals. So like similar to the early YouTube stuff we spoke about, we could share music me and you, like we could share anyone's music uh, on TikTok and that sound could become viral but it would not link back to I don't know Taylor Swift me you whoever it is yeah. so I think this in 2021 is the music industry catching up with TikTok and, and this music business worldwide article says TikTok has now has fresh worldwide licensing deals in place with all three major record companies it's only in 2021 it says after announcing deals with Sony Music in November and Warner Music in December the ByteDance-owned video app revealed today, February 21, that it has struck an expanded global licensing agreement with the Universal Music Group. So it's a pretty new deal that they've... It's a three-year thing, it must be, yeah. So they signed it in February 2021, all was grand. The other la- major labels as well seem to seem to accept the deal. And this is the music industry going, okay, we're making deals with TikTok now. We have a seat at the table and we can try and control what's going on. And then since then, we have seen that. All these artists we've been talking about, uh, Pink Panthers, you know, um, Noah Kant, like this, you know, they do have industry behind them, mm-hmm. as Linda said as well. Ray, you know, that sort of stuff. So since 21, we have seen yeah. these this deal, you know, ferment into something that actually does work. So... Yeah, so that's kind of where it's begun. But there's some interesting stuff here. Yeah, so our platform has been, um, this is the head of TikTok saying, we're excited to enter this new era with Universal Music and Universal Publishing uh, Group to continue supporting artists and (laughs) songwriters by working together to help reach music fans on TikTok. So head of TikTok, he's buzzing for it. Our platform has been a driver in creating chart hits and licensing the world's biggest catalogue of tracks uh, will continue to inspire our community. So, yeah. You have to have a deal to get your song on TikTok. So, I know it's because I remember when my song came out, I had to upload a private video of the track and then save that as an original sound. And then mm-hmm. I'm allowed to use that on my own videos. So, um, that goes into sound. distribution now. So, all these sound libraries will come in. So, if you're signed up to CD Baby, we spoke about them before, or whatever the other ones, DistroKid, you know they will maybe have a tier or they'll have a button you press that gets you on. But TikTok actually have their, well, they have their own distribution company called Sound On. So you as an artist could sign up to them and, you know, maybe it'll give you more ins at TikTok. I don't know how that that platform works, but they have their own distribution company. So, you know, maybe we can ask Josh about that sort of stuff. Do you know how how that all works? 
But I presume if you're signing up to TikTok's distribution company, your music's going to be on TikTok. So perhaps at this moment, while there is no major universal music on there, it could be a good moment for people who are releasing via sound on. Do you know what I mean? Because that's the only music that's up there at the moment. Yeah. Your song isn't up there, but it is because you uploaded a video of it. Well, it's like I can do it as my own. Orig- I save it as my own personal sound. That was that, that was the yeah. second ones, but but it's on Instagram. You can but then on Instagram then you can search whatever's on Spotify, and it's very handy. And it's I can share your song, whoever's song, on something, and it's nice to be able to do. Um, That's most likely down to this deal that happened in 2021. And, uh, you know, these are the three major companies. No doubt smaller distributors will have their own deals in place. And if you do upload your music to them, they will get your music onto, you know, this, these things in reels, sounds or TikTok sounds or whatever. It's not my zone, as you can probably tell. So (laughs) I'm trying my best. But there we go. We know where it happened. So it all happened in 2021 and everything was great. And since then, you know, They've been pushing artists. 2022, we hear from Halsey who says, guys, <laughs> they won't stop asking me to make TikToks or fake some sort of viral campaign. And now 2024, we have this surprise announcement from Universal, which says, well, I mean, I think I should probably just read some of the parts of the letter because it's, pr- it's pretty vicious. Have you read it? No. no. Okay. Wow. Here we go. So it's an open letter to the artist and songwriter community why we must call time out on TikTok. So that's interesting uh, already because it's actually a message to TikTok, but they're saying it's a message to the artist and songwriter community. And as we know, well, we're part of that community. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we have issues that we want to take up. You know what I mean? Uh, we're not like, yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know. It's a strange, it's a strange way to frame it. But anyway, it says our core mission is simple to help our artists and songwriters attain their greatest creative and commercial potential. To achieve these goals, our terms, our, sorry, our teams employ their expertise and passion to strike deals with partners all around the world. Partners who take seriously their responsibility to fairly compensate our artists and songwriters and treat the user experience with respect. Mm-hmm. One of those partners is TikTok. Here we go. Now the beef. An increasingly influential platform platform with powerful technology and a massive worldwide user base. As with many other platforms with whom we partner, TikTok's success as one of the world's largest social platforms has been built in large part on the music created by our artists and songwriters. This is very interesting because we just heard about what they signed in 2000. You know what I mean? They made it. They made a deal with Mm. them. So anyway... Its senior executives proudly state publicly that music is at the heart of the TikTok experience and our analysis confirms that the majority of content on TikTok contains music more than any other major social platform. So, what's that making you feel? Explain it to me like I'm five. Oh, okay. So, uh, TikTok, (laughs) this is Universal saying, look, TikTok are a big player in the game. They've loads of powerful tech and uh, they've got users all all around the world. Um, then Universal is saying, look, we partner with all loads of different platforms. And TikTok in particular has a, a, can, can uh, attribute a lot of its success to music. And as we've said, yeah. like 
we've been talking about a lot of TikTok songs, you know, we, we, which one came to mind at the start of the episode? Is it still, you know, like it does play a big part in yeah, the experience. Yeah. Like you want your sound on, their fucking distribution company is called Sound On, do you know? So nothing too controversial there at the moment. And it is the one that everyone talks about in the music industry. So yes, very influential platform. And then it says, the terms of our relationship with TikTok are set by contract, the one we just spoke about there. And this contract expires in January 31st of January 2024. So we passed it. It is expired. In our contract renewal discussions, we have been pressing them on three critical issues. Appropriate compensation for our artists and songwriters. That's very interesting. (laughs) When do they care about that? Protecting human artists from the harmful effects of AI. Well, they've buddied up with YouTube to fucking make some weird AI robot thing. So I don't know. And online safety for TikTok users. They have been pressuring their artists to go onto TikTok. So I just don't buy the online safety thing because, (laughs) you know, we've, we've spoken about how it's harmed possibly some of the artists. And their mental health as well. And their mental like, health, exactly. Just another... What, what, like, how do you... How do I phrase this? Like, I have my own like experience of it, but then I assume you have this whole fucking other way, thing of it, which is like bringing work home with you or bringing work to your like sense of personal self because of social media. Like, It's like there's... There's work and then there's like phenomenon and then there's this This blurs all the lines and like the pressure, the pressure to do it is, yeah. Accessibility as well. There's a lot of good thinkers. I think, um, what's his name? Childish Gambino. Donald Glover said something recently and I hope I'm getting this right. Yeah. It was like with phones and this uploading everything, you're uploading your whole life and not really having any privacy anymore. Our decisions are made differently. Like you're not living your true self. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're yeah. always thinking about other people's approval, 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 approval. Alex spoke about it last week as well, rather than actually your own approval. So it's like a really weird thing when you upload that up- uploading is an action of I'm looking for approval. I hate pressing that button. I it It's hard, feel... isn't it? You know? Yeah. yeah. And so that feeling. Yeah. I feel weird about it as much as I, you know, I always go, well, who fucking cares? Do you know what I mean? Uh, about this at the moment, there's loads of other shit going on that is more important than my breakfast or yeah. my animal out there or, or whatever the hell. But then, like, it's clearly a massive promotional tool if you have these massive titans in music fighting over it. Do you know, so I've got two, I've got so many opinions about it, but I can't, I don't know. Uh, it, it doesn't, it still makes, make, doesn't make me want to go yeah. on it. I, I was talking to a, artist friends last mm. night at the gig and like a gig like that which is like a college gig and these people are some of them are doing like their first ever prop gig as a band yeah. and all this which is such a beautiful thing like I don't think any of them are on that TikTok really? thing but they're like a lot of them are gonna do really well and it's and I, I genuinely think like for younger artists having that outlet of uh, community camaraderie, just like experimenting with the music and with them and <laughs> with other people, but uh, I'm playing with other people. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Um, I got that out. <laughs> okay, let's go try that again. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Uh, <laughs> but having that outlet, um, having that space 
I was looking back, like my time in college, where they were studying music or studying film, there was not that sense of I've got to make 10 seconds films now and post them online. It was like the the kind of bar of success was like maybe someday you can get into a festival and then you can work up this route or maybe you can get this gig and then you're going to talk to this person because they work yeah. in this venue and maybe you can get to this. And like, I do think like there is so much talk with social media and TikTok and this and that and this and that. And we kind of touched it but we touched on it in the first episode of the series, which was like the massive fuck off numbers. I had their all lads yeah. and who are just, and, and that's like the, our Taylor Swift, for example, getting Congress, looking at the Ticketmaster or, or Ed Sheeran in his lawsuit, stuff like that. If you take away all that, like, I feel like Alex would call it McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, there, there, there's some really good stuff on the top shelf. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't think this stuff is actually like the make or break if you have the right community around you. Maybe that's just really cynical. <laughs> You're getting cynical. <laughs> you said it earlier in the in the episode, like you were, you know, these things might not last. And what we're seeing at the moment is, you know, it like I've heard some people yeah. saying this could potentially spell the end for TikTok. Do you know? Because... I know, I know, I know it won't, um, because ge- I genuinely believe a lot of people are addicts, like, to this app. I have, at times, you know, just gone on my phone and suddenly I'm on TikTok, what the bloody hell happened there? How did I even click the app? You know, it's like a, it's a strange one. It really does draw you in more so than the other ones, for me anyway. So I don't think it's going anywhere in that respect. And then also they have their own music thing going on. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. It just, it, this is a bump in the road for them in-person stuff triumphs um that like if you look at what if you look at like 1985 you know what i mean uh go back yeah in time, yeah yeah, and, yeah like you see what was happening then and then you take that and you put it up to what's happening now there are things that like for example i assume something like tiktok's going to evolve into some fucking metaverse gigs and all this stuff like it's going to like it's going to go from like you swiping your phone to you having a headset on and being in a virtual reality yeah. gig and that being the new thing in like 20 years yeah. like those are things that are like coming down the road Fortnite gigs yeah, all this yeah. stuff I don't I don't understand yeah. that but still people there's like this like um, it, and I've just put it in like a category of just like getting people's attention as yeah. the commodity but there, there is the consistency if you look back like almost 40 years ago to what's there still, like music videos, gigs, in-person yeah, yeah, community, yeah. Um, you know, shared experiences. Like, I think people want to share their experiences online, but like, like the in-person like thing will always it's be the safe. there. It, it's the real world. It's the, you're, you're learning real life lessons. Yes, you'll learn lessons on TikTok as well, but if it does ever just disappear as an app because of either universal or because of some government or because of whatever, do you know, you won't have anything. Like you said, like you might have people who remember your viral video, but like you won't actually have people coming to your gigs or whatever. So I think we're seeing artists shift over now and it's become a big player in the game. And I think that's, you know, that's why, like particularly in the commercial game, like that's why Universal are doing this. Do you know, me and you as like independent folk artists as well, maybe we are, you know, in a particular unique spot where we can 
yeah. focus Just on the pick up a guitar <laughs> yeah 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 you know that sort of thing and we're buskers so we kind of have that to fall back on so there might be other genres that's what I'm saying there's other genres and that's, it's you have to zoom out and go how is this affecting everybody and then other session musicians we're artists like god if you played like if you're an artist you I hear you don't get very much money for like a you know a billion views on TikTok it wouldn't be the same as um Spotify where if you get a billion streams you'd be you'd be doing actually yeah. quite well whereas with TikTok yeah I don't think it's the same it translates the same so if you're a you know bass player and your bass part has been heard one billion times by people on TikTok what's that going to do to your life you know I think you're bang on there the real life is 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 the thing but it is real life what we're reading here this is yeah you know I'll finish this universal thing because TikTok yeah. actually respond and it gets quite it can, you know I thought it got quite fiery but they say we have been this is universal here now and saying we've been working to address these related these and related issues with our platform partners for example our artist centric here it is again initiative is designed to update streaming's remuneration model and better reward artists for the value they deliver to platforms in the months since its inception we are proud that this initiative has been received so positively and taken up by a range of partners i mean just giving themselves a lot of credit here like I told you, all my music's just been taken off. All Hudson Taylor's music's just been taken off um, TikTok. Like, there could be a world where Hudson Taylor, one of these songs, go viral on TikTok and suddenly, you know... It's a world I don't want to live in. But you know, no, you know there <laughs> yeah, could be a world no, where yeah. this happens. Universal yeah. have just after now taking that opportunity away from me as one of their many thousands of artists and they haven't consulted artists, as we said, mm. like... Noah Khan, he's, you know, sarcastically said this. There's been a few other artists. You sound the master, man. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, yes. That's, like, yeah. like, that's the interesting thing. They're negotiating on behalf of the artists. They're also negotiating on behalf of the artists who they dropped. <laughs> no, exactly. But what I told you before is like TikTok didn't exist as a platform when I signed the contract. So like for them to be negotiating on my behalf now and taking off this promotional tool. Yeah. I mean, it works both ways. Like it didn't exist in your deal, yeah. did it say in perpetuity in the universe? Yes, I, I meant chance. to show you that. No, it actually says the solar system. <laughs> that's the, that's yes, this. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Does it yeah. actually? But that's the thing. This is like in perpetuity in on the universe. Like this is like, like that is the clearance of whatever the fuck happens. Like if we, if if, if music makes it to Mars, we own your shit. Like, <laughs> no, no, absolutely. That's 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 what's going on here. So, yes. Like, they do have the right, because I signed it away, to do it. But, like, there is also loads of other nuance to it. Like, you know, Noah Khan saying, my career depends on it. Like, me saying, it wasn't in my contract. You know, similar to what happened with the music videos and yeah. stuff. It's it's kind of like, we all have different opinions. Musicians will have, like, a bass player who's not getting paid. Like, these people need to be consulted. We're the people who matter. It's like, that's kind of what I feel is just a bit funny about this posturing here from Universal kind of coming out and going look we're just going to pull it all we have the power mm. to do this I find that like I don't it's a bargaining move yes exactly but with millions of millions of songs like happening in, in, in what I don't agree what TikTok is doing as well so like it's not like I'm picking a side here I just find it really interesting as someone who's got skin in the game you know so here's how they end the letter i'm not gonna be able to get through of it because we'll be here for hours but they say as negotiations continued tiktok attempted to bully us into accepting a deal worth less than the previous deal far less than the market value and not reflective of their exponential growth how did it 
try to intimidate us by selectively removing the music of certain of our developing artists while keeping on the platform our audience driving global stars. TikTok's tactics are obvious. Use its platform power to hurt vulnerable artists and try to intimidate us into conceding to a bad deal that undervalues music and shortchanges artists and songwriters as well as their fans. But it's not what Universal did to you. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not because they state right after that sentence, we will never do that. Oh, that's, that's good. I was wondering. So it's good they cleared that up for us all there. <laughs> We will always fight for our artists and songwriters and stand up for the creative and commercial value of music. <laughs> it's the, I mean, they're full of jokes today, aren't they? <laughs> full of jokes today. Uh, we recognize the challenges that TikTok's actions will cause and do not underestimate what this will mean to our artists and the fans who unfortunately will be among yeah. those subjected to the near term. Con- near term. That's inter- interesting. So they don't expect this to be long term. Uh, of TikTok's unwillingness to strike anything close to a market rate deal and meaningfully address its obligations as a social platform. I'm Googling (laughs) something now. I'm curious. Okay. But we have an overriding responsibility to to our artists to fight for an agreement under which they are appropriately compensated for their work on a platform that respects human creativity in an environment that is safe for all and effectively moderated. Go on. So, this comes from the same universe that owns three percent of Spotify. <laughs> like it's like <laughs> just, just like go on, like pop, pop off, King. <laughs> now, this is just a thought of mine. It could be wrong, but they would have been pressuring artists onto TikTok in the last couple of years because they see it as a growth. It's a big platform and it's very influential and all the mm. rest of it. So, if they're pushing artists there, no doubt investment companies these big heads that are investing in music are also investing in tiktok so i'd be interested to know what their investment is in tiktok or if they have any do you know maybe look that up umg share of tiktok because then you know and then also anyone that has shares in universal and also in tiktok i imagine they're not happy right now because you know (laughs) i'm I'm thinking film industry shares stuck into my no I'm going to shut up <laughs> go, no 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 no. go on please anyone who has shares in companies right now where there's sorry <laughs> where we're streaming would be it film yeah. or music um, is pivoting and the quote unquote golden age of it is, has passed like they're fucking oh god and they're, so their company is making pivots to I guess to like please their shareholders and that's the end at the root of it there are shareholders on these companies and what's making these companies the cash is the creatives they aren't they can say the creatives are in mind but there are like people at the top who are actually in mind <laughs> and this, they they might have responded uh, i mean that they, they might end up i mean not the artist yes noah's doing his part other artists are coming in saying look we we actually yes we'd like more money but we'd also like our music back on tiktok Do you know i'm sure there are investors and shareholders thinking the same you know, so, you know, maybe that's why Universal yeah. Group said just for the short term or whatever, however they said it. But here's TikTok's response to their um, message the very next day. Is it 10 seconds long? <laughs> if only it was 10 seconds long. <laughs> I'd be interested to hear the difference in language and uh, rhetoric. Oh, wow, already they're off to a good start. So it says TikTok statement in response to Universal Music Group on their very website, TikTok Newsroom or whatever. Tuesday the 30th of January 2024, the next day or a couple of days after. 
it is sad and disappointing that Universal Music Group has put their own greed above the interests of their artists and songwriters. Despite Universal's false narrative and rhetoric, the fact is they've chosen to walk away from the powerful support of a platform with well over a billion users that serves as a free promotional and discovery vehicle for their talent. And we're going to be talking to the guy who... (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) So (laughs) TikTok has been able to reach artist first agreements with every other label and publisher. So we spoke about this. They they came to uh, an agreement with, um, you know, all the labels came and they agreed something in 2021 and everybody was happy. And then I believe last year, Warner made another, they they updated their deal with TikTok and they were happy. So that's another major label going, well, not happy, but they were pleased, I think the word was. So they've been able to, yeah, uh, reach agreements with every other label and publisher. Clearly, Universal's self-serving actions are not in the best interest of artists, songwriters and It's like the Spider-Man meme where they're both just pointing at each other. (laughs) And that's it. So it is very short and sweet, man. Very short and sweet. That's it. That's all they say, I believe. Click here for a 10 second video with... (laughs) And <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah. Uh, well, wow. So that's all they say. And yeah, these are yeah, two two companies up head to head, basically. Well, how's it making you feel, Fionn? Um, I think it's, it's kind of rich. <laughs> it is. <laughs> From both rich. of them, I think. Because um, when I think of like labels, I obviously think of just like, uh, I don't know, like this, whatever. But there are people in there, really good people in the labels. And then there is like the structure so I guess I'm talking about, whenever I talk about this, I'm talking about the structure. Well, me too. Yeah, it's like the like I've, I've gotten on with most people in most people in the labels I've worked with in the past, most. and if I, in the past, and yeah, if I came across a lot of the people I worked with in the past in these labels, like we'd get on, we'd have coffee. It's not the people working in them, you know. It's the like you said, the the higher structures or the shareholder structures or the sometimes the cutthroat marketing techniques mm. and you know the TikTok pressure and all that sort of stuff that they put on their artists that's that's the stuff that i don't agree with with these labels and the, the massive 55 page contracts which <laughs> in in perpetuity or whatever for the solar system perpetuity yeah. <laughs> i i think that like i think that's the thing i guess which is the fact that there are people at the top of um i guess people on the board or whatever and the people who are making the cash from the company and then there's like decisions kind of from the top being put down to the bottom. Um, do this because we think, uh, like for example, in Google, like um, getting Charlie Puth to agree to do AI yeah. <laughs> songs is like, is, is, is it, the way yeah, for all yeah. this like stuff. And they come out with some bizarre shit. Like I, I, I think that it all just kind of makes me feel a bit weird. Yeah. And I'm always thinking about it. Like, I'm always just floating the idea of like, Jesus, if I did sign with one of those companies, what would that be like? And it's always like that kind of hypothetical in the brain, that kind of lens. No clue. Because imagine like, imagine I signed Masters and I signed a 360 deal because of course I would. Yeah. Um, you know, the smart move. No, it's um, not. And <laughs> by the way, by the yeah, way, anyone listening, anyone listening well, is... That was a joke. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but and like then... There, there's a company that's pivoting, pivoting, yeah. pivoting because 
the climate at the moment is just like complete advancements yeah. that everyone's just trying to catch up to. It just it's just fucking yeah. Rather mad. than go, just that. rather than it's go, just, you know what? What does Fionn need to create the best art possible? How does Fionn be the artist that's most true to him? That's what the the question and answer should be. But with the way when when you bring business into it, and you know you've got ways in which and people with keys to power and all this sort of stuff, you know you have all these different things that come into it. Yeah, yeah. it is weird, man. And you don't need that, though. No. Like, well, I am completely biased. I don't think you need yeah. that. I gen all this stuff. It's weird to to hop on and to talk about yeah. all this after being like the most pure gig last night, where it's just like people playing their first things. Like, well, me, me too. I was at a fucking well, it wasn't that pure, but I was at a rock and roll gig last night, <laughs> and like there was mosh pits instead of fucking iPhones. Do you know what I mean? Were you the mosh pit? I wasn't. No, 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 no. I was looking. Ah. I was looking at it, but it was so interesting to see that and feel that fucking energy at a gig for a change. Because the yeah. last couple of gigs I've went to have been more commercial pop, you know, maybe younger audiences and stuff with who who have mm. are much more on their phones. So it was an interesting observation. And like you said, some of these people, you know, doing their first gigs and stuff, they're not necessarily warming to TikTok at this not every it doesn't work for everybody we hear about the ones because we're yeah. all spending so much time on the app that we hear about the people and that's exactly. what they want as well they want you and to we hear, hear about the artists who are spending lots of time on the app basically but to go back to this universal story and then before we talk to Josh who is you know arguably in the middle of some of this stuff that's going on with the company he runs pitching music to influencers or content creators that's what he does we spoke about him before this is the situation at the moment Whilst we're speaking, who knows what, by the time the episode's out, this might have changed. But more than one third of the songs, at least 17 tracks on the top 50 at the moment, are no longer available for use on on TikTok. After Universal's Hmm. negotiations with the platform fell apart last week, um, Universal Music said the ByteDance-owned company refuses to pay fair value for the music. All the stuff we've heard. So the missing tracks include several of the most popular songs on TikTok, which is like, I don't know any of them unfortunately <laughs> I, well, I, uh, we've got tiktok mooney longs made for me number one on the tiktok top 50 zavi's la diabla no number seven drake's rich baby daddy number nine and la- oh number nine lana deray's let the light in i mean i know lana deray but i don't know the song so and then drake as well obviously so the absence impacts both releases Ariana Grande's Yes And, along with the pair of songs from Nicki Minaj's December album. Catalog songs getting affected as well. And catalog Leslie Gore's Misty, originally released it way back in 1963, and Sophie Alex Baxter's Murder on the Dance Floor, which came out in 2002, but charted on the 100 for the first time due to a sync in the, in the film Saltburn. So users still appear to be able to make videos with an official orchestral version of Murder on the Dance Floor, likely because it's licensed to a different label. So there you go. Universal Mm. don't own that version of Murder on the Dance Floor. So that is still up there and that's being used by TikTok users uh, as as. As, yeah. as a thing, as a, as a, what is it, like a backup, you know, so they don't have the real one, so they use this one. So m- perhaps though. it is very smart. So, yeah, like perhaps, you know, this is a good time for independent artists to do something. Like, whilst there is, you know, a third of the music off the platform, like, why not fucking release a cover of, well, this is why, because we've obviously heard about the Masters Department of Universal 
and their deal coming up. Guess what's happening at the end of this month? Their deal the is up. The publishing deal is up. Universal Music Publishing. <laughs> so even covers are going to be affected by this at the end of the month. So you won't... I could put up a cover of Taylor Swift now and it would still be on the platform because I technically own the recording. I believe this is the case. But by the end of the month, all... If they don't agree, another covers deal. On covers TikTok. on TikTok are, are off. off. Yeah, uh, particularly un- universal covers in particular, you know. Um, That'd be a nice world. <laughs> but have, also have a good opportunity whatever. for independent artists, perhaps, you know, um, because, cause, yeah. yeah one of th- Shame I signed a publishing deal. Oh, no. <laughs> in addition, TikTok has had a long, vibrant bootleg scene. Here we go. Which means that in some cases, users have uploaded their own versions of Universal Music songs or remixes in place of the official sounds. These bootlegs were also a source of frustration for the record company, which said last week that TikTok makes little effort to deal with the vast amounts of content on its platform that infringe our artist rights. It's worth noting, however, that labels often encourage remixers to rework their artist songs without the proper clearances in the hope that it starts a viral trend. Two realities happening at the same time. One is yeah. TikTok aren't doing enough to do to protect our artists' rights, and then the other one is oh, I'll just stick it up on TikTok, and if it goes viral, we'll deal with the rights afterwards. Do you know? So if there's mixed things going on here. The heads are saying one thing and pulling the music off, and then the departments are going, "No, we need this." So TikTok has been a dominant force in the music industry since 2019, transforming both market and signing strategy. We fully immerse ourselves in the diverse subcultures of TikTok, said Alex Henderson, vice president of the independent label APG. We have weekly meetings dedicated to sharing things that we're seeing there. We view the TikTok viral chart as a competitive with a competitive mindset, and we put high emphasis on working with artists that are native to the platform. That's an independent label saying that. As the industry became increasingly focused on TikTok, it also became increasingly uneasy about the platform's power. The app started to get saturated with brands, movies, video games, cats, ASMR, and and more all battling for attention, which made marketing music both more expensive and less effective. Labels are used... Dude, they're TikTok battles. Do you ever come across oh, them? I don't know if I want to. What is that? I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to let you live in peace. Okay, thank you. (laughs) So, thank you. Forget about that. Um, So, labels are used to having some level of influence over promotional levers. TikTok proved frustratingly hard to leverage. Dun, dun, dun. And we're seeing the effects of it. Tension over the platform's low payout started to grow as well. TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, doesn't view music as a value add. One senior executive told Billboard in the fall of 2022... They just view music as a cost center that they have to limit as much as possible. The payout numbers are horrifying, said a manager at the time. A marketer who oversaw the campaign for a single that was used in roughly half a million TikTok videos, earning a billion views, found that his artist took home less than... 20 quid. Five grand from the platform. So that's a billion, a billion views doesn't even make you five grand dollars, basically. That's what this person is saying. It was no surprise then when our good man, Universal Music's CEO, Sir Lucian Grange, fired a warning shot in late 2022, Finn shaking his head, um, noting pointedly at an industry conference that a value gap was forming fast in the new iterations of short form video. So he's quite late to the game now, I will say, in in late 2022. Yeah. Um, 
Last week, Universal Music Group said that its license agreement with TikTok was set to expire on January the 31st. TikTok proposed paying our artists and songwriters at a rate that's a fraction of we've heard about all this. Yeah, and it's the back and forth there. And then in the standoff between the two companies, it will start to affect even more music at the end of the month. TikTok will have to take down any song that Universal Music pub, uh, Publishing Group has a stake in. Any I- UMPG songwriters collaborate with artists signed to other labels or are signed as artists on other labels. This means a number of songs that become unusable or on TikTok could balloon. So like publishing is even more complicated because you could have a universal published songwriter would be someone working with a, you know, everything about the artist's song might work except there's a universal songwriter on it so it can't go on TikTok. So this is a big thorn in a lot of artists' side at the moment. I'd like if this was the beginning of a restructure of how songs are being used, whether it is social media or streaming, I'd love to think that this might happen with Spotify and the different platforms there. They're doing Um, this to suit the interests of Universal Music, and they are saying... Not the artist. "Mm, That's, you know... Yeah, like that's that's they, the thing. They're saying they're they're doing it to the artist, so we don't know whether or not it's actually going to. But in the past, have they acted in the best interest of the artist? Both companies. Hmm. Do you know? The, did Universal operate in your best interest when they got you to do 30 masters in one release cycle? It, you know, in my opinion, no. So it's, <laughs> oh, <really>? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the article ends with artists can, sh- can market their music elsewhere, of course. TikTok has competitors in both YouTube Shorts and Instagram Reels. However, neither of those apps have demonstrated the ability to break a song with the speed and intensity of TikTok. And no better person to quiz about breaking songs with speed and intensity on TikTok than Josh Deal, who we are going to speak to right after the break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, and now I just think we need a, an intro for Josh. I mean, how do we do that? Do I have to do it for you? Yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> I love <laughs> no, the reluctance in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, how do we introduce Josh? So I first met Josh. Um, he first came uh, because he, oh, I'm going to actually get him to tell the story. But basically he was put in touch with, with me 
via Gabrielle. Um, he's a drummer, as I said to you before. That's how he started kind of in the industry. And yeah, it was my first drummer. Like when we moved yeah. to London, he was Hudson Taylor's drummer. And then he went all around the world with Gabrielle. And now he set up this company who, you know, very basically, we explained it in episode three in the first series, whatever. Very basically, service music to influencers, content creators. Yeah. And he is you know, partnered up with artists and he's also partnered up with like labels now who want to, you know, get in touch with influencers and they want them to plug his music. But he's going to explain this a lot more to me. I mean, here's Josh now. Hey, Josh. Hey, guys. Hey, hello. How you doing? Hello, hello. Yeah, very good, man. Josh, you know. Good to meet you. Know, Josh. Lovely to meet you. Good to meet you. <laughs> good to see you, man. How are you? Yeah, good. No, really good. Thanks so much for, um, yeah, arranging it as well. It's exciting to... Sit down and No, thanks so much, man. Thanks for, for making time for this and, and coming on chatting to us and for also sharing it early on and um and listening as well. So cool to have your ears over yeah, all no, this. Yeah, no, pleasure. As I said to you guys before, I, was, I mean, I was obviously saying to Alfie, sort of been listening in and, and um, tuning into the podcast. So like James, actually, Gabby's manager, sent it to me and I sort of ended up going through all of the archive, all the stuff you guys were doing. And um, yeah, so insightful. I love it. I love the transparency of it and how you've communicated everything across and yeah it's been really really interesting and from from my side as well from where i came from that background of independent artist space and sort of um you know that's kind of what i get most excited about so yeah i love what you guys are doing it's great so for that fucking cool man and yeah you got to mention obviously in episode three <laughs> that's the it, we yeah. spoke about Re- yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah lovely, kind of... lovely mention yeah <laughs> I tried my best to kind of speak about the mechanics and all the idea about your business, but we're going to get into all that. And yeah, really excited to quiz you. Uh, you know, has been doing some <laughs> yeah. research as well. And yeah, just really, really buzzing. We've also, we've done like half of the episode already or an oh, episode great. talking about yeah. my relationship with TikTok <laughs> and Finon's relationship with TikTok. And then just covering the latest story with Universal you know, just the back and forth yeah. between the two of them. So then you're going to pop in now for the second half. Yes, um, guess it, I love that. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Happy days. The experts. <laughs> <Josh>. um, <laughs> come here before we get kind of crack. I've kind of we've sort of set up for you. So I've been kind of telling people like we're friends and it's sort of how we met. So before we get into that, though, I just wanted to ask you because I don't know. And I'm curious growing up, what song? Is your favorite song like what comes to mind for you as your favorite song? Oh, that's a good question. I, I put, first thing that just came to my head then was was um, something of the police. It'd probably be probably something like Roxanne actually because yeah, it'd be cool. something like that because that I mean they were the first songs that I learned because my uncle was like an avid uh, police fan and he was a drummer and he got me into playing drums first. So when I would set up on his old out of tune kit we, we would uh i'd play along to like roxanne and nice. the bottle and they would be like the first sort of unconventional drum tracks i would learn so yeah i think that was that was kind of my first like throwing yourself in the deep end there with uh <laughs> Stuart Copeland. yeah i think so yeah i mean I, I can't imagine i played it very well but it was sort of yeah it would have been those, those types of tracks were the i think they kind of opened my mind to like music and drumming and <laughs> and seeing that kind of reggae influences uh influence that Stuart Copeland had so Probably one of those, yeah. And how how old were you when you were starting drumming? I was like 12, 13 when I started. Wow. And and then 
kind of just messing around and then my brother was playing first it was the kit was set up in his room and then I started playing and then and then I started doing it at school and started to get a few lessons and then it cool. wasn't sort of I think it was like 15 16 when I started to take it a bit serious of like getting some jazz lessons and things like that so yeah wow cool yes. and then we must have met not long after that then yeah it was wasn't it it was yeah. very soon after school actually um but i did one year at uh, bim i dropped out and then i remember it being really soon after that so i then was um yeah practicing at home i kind of dropped out left to like practice at home work on stuff and cut and i would sit at lunch and like contact people and then you guys were sort of within that group when i met gabby and it was literally i think must have been within the year of leaving my first year of so when i was 17 18 wouldn't it have been when we met yeah you guys were sort yeah, of yeah 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 so it would have been around and then, yeah, the stars aligned and changed my life. Really cool. I so like Gabrielle obviously introduced you to us. You were you had yeah. been kind of getting in contact with what artists you liked, and as a drummer, saying I want to drum with you, um, sort of thing. And then, right, yeah, through that, we we started playing together early on. What do you remember? I'm curious from like early Hudson Taylor life. What sticks out with you for you? I was. I loved it. I, I, have so, I have so many fond memories. Uh, I just remember. I, I kind of giggle thinking about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was. I, it just. I, I remember it being. I remember London being this like incredibly uh, inspiring yet daunting environment that you sort of you're entering the world of the industry and, um, especially when you're not like you're sort of coming out of you know playing in local like open mic nights to then going up to a studio in london and the and the yeah and you'd see i remember at dean street you'd see the wall of all these people and so it was it was definitely the romance of london the music industry and and feeling like you're actually in this real world but realizing how small the industry was and the networks of it and yeah you can meet two people and and, and they know so many people that can domino from them yeah it was an incredible way to very quickly connect into knowing this the space and and the scene of the music industry and and then through you guys was incredible for me because I, I remember i mean we spoke about it recently where you gave me my first oyster card and, and you were like oh yeah that's incredible i didn't even know how to get the tube <laughs> you know and I was that's so cool. yeah just things like that yeah. and um you know i remember us sleeping on the sofa at dean street and yeah we would just be like recording just jamming out and being in that environment and i felt like we were really looked after in 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 the incubator of like new music and and the and this thing and also i was so inspired by what you guys were doing i remember that was my first real uh exposure to social marketing in some way of the early youtube uh, yeah. how you guys were smashing it and the the knowledge i learned a lot from you with how you were posting stuff out and how proactive you were and how you'd always be thinking around content and i remember you know, us walking down the street, and we'd be, you'd have some, we'd have someone like walking backwards, filming you guys performing. Yeah, we'd be busking, but everything was always with a content mindset, and I think that was. Finon was watching all this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so yeah. That, that, yeah. that was that was a real moment in time. I feel where it transitioned. That's when so cool. The social aspect changed, and, and how you guys built. I was so impressed actually how you guys built such a an incredible fan base around it, and we would come out onto the streets, and or when we were in Dublin, and. So yeah, being exposed to that was yeah. a real learning curve for me, which was great. And that online stuff became real life, like all of that yeah. stuff. But the people actually ended up in London coming to see us play, you know, for yeah. the first yeah, yeah. headline show or whatever. So yeah, yeah. it did genuinely translate into people on the street. And then I think like after Hudson Taylor, I don't know, that was all 
yeah, it, I think touring got pretty serious for you after that. Like, obviously, you, you played then on Gabrielle's album and you went around the world kind of over the next couple of years. You also played with Anna Straker and the, like, Foxes as well. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you then so went into pretty serious session drummer territory there. Yeah, um, quite quickly. Yeah, I think I was just lucky to meet a lot of really great um, session musicians in the scene. I remember going to this pub and I was with um, I was with Ash Sone, who was play- who just played on Adele's Twenty One album, and and I remember reaching wow. out and when I and this I think is this the advice I always give to like musicians starting out is networkers or like email out as much as possible always ask to you know try and get as close to you can close to the sun as you can um and what i mean by that is the people who are who are winning in the industry at the moment yeah and and aim for the top and reach out and i would be like right who's doing the best right i'm gonna adele's amazing right like who's drumming for i'm gonna find who (laughs) and reach out and that's sort of what i would sit and do and i think when you're 17 18 16 whatever it is you can do those moments and you can do it. And I always had that mindset. I'm going to really take advantage of being in that younger space because when you're 30 and you're, you're asking to come up and sit in the studio, it's a little bit weirder than if you were sort of, you know, 18. Yeah. So like people are more inclined. You got that kind of puppy dog feel to it. And, and they're like, yeah, come up and like sit in. So I got taken under a lot of those types of people's wings. And I remember Ooh. Ash taking me to this, um, this sort of convention after a, a, a show. It was like a, drum convention there was a, a pub that everyone went to after and i basically met all these session people and all these things and ended up just sort of getting put forward for auditions and different things like that so very quickly just by reaching out to who was coming up on the scene and which and gabrielle was was that scenario for me where i found her on youtube and i contacted her and then i contacted james who was managing her and just asked if i could come up to the studio and i'd love to come up and just like help out and then that's when wow. we started up to Dean Street and and we met. So literally, it's that one nice. serendipitous moment that you can find out of many. And that's one of a hundred emails that didn't get back to me. So it's can just take that one moment, that one meeting and coming in and meeting you guys and all the stuff, incredible stuff we did and supporting the script on tour. I remember that being probably one of my fondest. He was there. Yeah, yeah. I was right. there. Amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, yeah. so all of that and then Gabby's stuff. And so... You can just sort of find that one thread that will then lead you into, you know, bouncing around onto different projects. And and um, and I got lucky with Gabby that she had that sort of deal and she, you know, got to play on her album. And then we got to spend, you know, quite a few years of just doing amazing stuff and touring. And, and those sort of 2012 to 2014 was a real peak moment of that first album and yeah. Don Lewis had and everything. So we, yeah, I learned so much. I was kind of, it was like a crash course for me of touring and you know my mum seeing me off at the airport and kind of yeah. you know, going off with with uh, with the band so yeah it's fun so cool if you know you must have a lot of questions about all this any that in common yeah like what how did that inform your switch from uh being a session drummer to like working in the like the industry side of it did like did that just give you this you mentioned like alfie's um, social media plan yeah. I remember Alfie described it as cutting edge when we were doing the research and I found it was gas but it, it probably was at the time it was cutting but, um, edge yeah not many yeah like Josh was saying like it was a new thing that was kind of happening people filming themselves and yeah, yeah it's it's obviously gone on to be what, what what it is now what being an artist is but sorry if you're not mm. no just how did it inform I guess what you're doing now it's yeah I don't know I was just taking a look at before I have done the zoom the match I'm kind of blown away by the amount of stuff um that you're doing yeah i appreciate that as well so checking 
Um, and you guys touched on it in one of the previous episodes, which was flattering. It was lovely to hear. <laughs> and it very much was that, I think, without realizing, I was kind of subconsciously approaching stuff in quite an entrepreneurial mindset with how I was... Because when you start in the industry, everyone goes, oh, you need connections to... And, and I sort of... I didn't have any connections. I didn't have family, music or anything like that. So you have to then engineer your own connections and go out and you can, within a day, you can make connections. It's sort of one person yeah. at a time. And it's, and it's also people that lead into spaces. So I think everything I was doing in that phase, a lot of the people that I was connecting with in those projects seven years later I, that had different, different uh, sort of aspects to my career. So you know, a good example is Jake, really good friend of mine was Gabby's booking agent. He's been a great mentor of mine and has helped connect me with great people. And, and that was sort of seven years, pro, you know, post that project. So you're, you're sort of collecting these wonderful people around you and life is so long and they can come into play much later on in your career. And you sometimes don't realize that at the time. So I think that was one thing that helped lead, sort of lead me towards new things and a new avenues definitely the observation of those projects for myself with especially with gabrielle's um sync that she had with the john lewis ad i was fascinated by that and the exposure that gave and it was a real rocket fuel and just all the social stuff that was going on sort of gave me um an aspect where i think i was partly patient to know that i was going to be i was sort of partly knew I was going to come away from drums at some point in the future. I just didn't know how. And I sort of was always fascinated by the industry side of things and observing those projects. And I think because I was very close to those projects and became friendly with everyone, I had a lot more insight into the background of it. So when I, I guess, switched to the dark side, which was partly just sort of <laughs> accidental, really, of lockdown happening and then um, just going, actually, I'm going to start something of my own. I didn't know what it was. And I just sort of began and it was actually Jake that was really uh, a great advisor on that. And he, he sort of said, you know, I remember being I was doing stuff with the X Factor live shows. I remember you were like performing with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. And Jake basically said to me, you don't want to be, you know, 30 and, and miming the trumpet on the X Factor. Um, and I was like, yeah, well, it's, it's kind of cool, but like, I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah. And so so I sort of from there, um, it kind of gave me that fuel to go, yeah, you're right. I wonder, well, I don't know what it is I'm going to do. And he just said, just start something. Cause and it's a great philosophy that Jake has where he says, um, it's what's important is just being on the pitch. I mean, he says it better than me, but he says it's about being on the pitch where if you're on the sideline and you're sort of out of it, you're not going to get those opportunities to, you just need to put yourself on the pitch in whichever position, because if then once you're on the pitch, you're going to get past the ball and you can get past the ball means you can score a goal. So just put yourself in some scenario where you can be past the ball, even if it's not the position that you actually want to be in just yet. And I think that was because you want to play striker, but you need to start and just be on the pitch and, and be playing. And I think that was an important factor for me where I just wanted to start something. So I was like, I'm just going to start Zebra and it, and it formed and formed and pivoted and pivoted and we started it and launched and it was rubbish um, you know, I felt like I've made four apps since. And I think that was the inspiration of wanting to start something that um, I'd learned from what I'd observed and wanted to create a, a sort of funnel to help creators and artists advance what they were trying to do through the, the space that we were going to make it in. Yeah. Wow, man. Wow. wow. I, that's so cool. <laughs> what was That's really good advice from Jake as well, just being on the pitch. I mean, it just makes 
yeah. makes so much sense. Yeah, you gotta be my head, you gotta yeah. be present, yeah. And with Zebra then like and all that advice, like where did it start? You said it's changed a lot since you first began, but like where did it start for you? What was the, the Eureka moment for you to go, Oh, this is what I wanna do? And then what was that basic idea? So the, the initial idea was a Tinder for music so in 2018 when I started the company. I was like, all right, Tinder for music, that sounds pretty cool. So I'll go with that. And then I went to an agency in Brighton. I won't mention who they are. <laughs> and I basically, I, so I was like, right, I've got, to, I've got to invest X amount into this to get it off the ground. Um, so I was living, I had my own place. I sold my own place, moved back to my parents um, and tried to, figure out how we do this i ended up having an agency cost that would to build the, the the sort of first v1 of zebra um we built it it was rubbish and we said but what i was mostly focused on with zebra was the social aspect so i ended up spending a year which while the app was being developed building out a community and building a community of new artists and figuring out what they were struggling with and just posting valuable content that would give insight into learnings and connect people so we did that and i did that for a sort of year just myself in lockdown well it's pre-lockdown um whilst i was actually still just thinking about now i was still touring i was still doing things um in projects and then it got to 2020 where i'd sort of reinvented the idea and i just kept the name and the concept was actually in, partly inspired by sort of that sync moment i mentioned for gabrielle where she had a song on the john lewis ad and I was yeah. thinking, well, how can I create a contemporary version of this in today's world? And I saw it as Twitch and YouTube and watching vloggers like Casey Neistat and a song being in the background was, was a great connection point. Yet at the time, the industry and the space and the platforms were very the other way. So there was a lot of takedown notices and you would have to have licensing agreements yeah. and YouTube were kind of the regressed way that TikTok became. So when I launched, we had all these incredible license deals and that we had a great lawyer to write out. And we had to really build a, a strong case for people to be able to pitch their song over. At the time, it was then reinvented to independent artists sending their song out to content creators on YouTube, yeah. which then the TikTok moment happened and it just rocket fueled everything for us. So we rebuilt everything for those accommodating platforms and essentially streamlined that process that now these platforms have music libraries that creators can pick from as we know it as now this makes everything much easier for us so we can just connect the two and then very soon after that we had amazing kind of press around it and i spent sort of three months four months on zoom with every record label i could contact with to understand what they were doing in their marketing departments and essentially build the platform for them. So we became the sort of platform for them, closed the self-service quick after, soon after that, um, and then essentially arrived at where we are now, which is this app, as we know it, where we have influencers managing their own profiles. They can activate on campaigns through challenges, which are incentivized, prize-based campaigns, gamified ways, or we can cherry wow. So, So our process now is... We've scaled out a team internally and then we work with the labels, with independent artists to essentially maximize results for them through contacting creators across TikTok, Instagram and, and short. So it's sort of streamlined and automated all of that through technology and and something I definitely didn't do by myself, like Kenny, who's our coder was the kind of pivot point for our company really, where I found an independent freelance coder um, who was at the same point in his career as me, wanted to do something really fun, had worked on amazing things. Um, and when he came on board, we 
got rid of the agency um, and rebuilt everything. And that sort of allowed us to have the two of us building everything out. And that was the foundation for really what we've become now and sort of hired as many of my friends as I could to have great people in the company. So it was, it was sort of a, a long time of like three, four years in the woods trying to figure out what the concept was. And, and, um, and then we just sort of hit that sweet spot and we've had, you know, an amazing three years, but it's been, you know, sort of five years in the making really. Wow. wow man that is so cool it's so cool to just hear it all at once uh from the horse's mouth that's actually yeah, yeah. yeah that's so cool so impressive man fair play to you loads of questions coming up in my head like in the early days i remember signing up i as as you know i've told you before tiktok's not not my apple choice do you know what i mean my presence is awful on it yeah <laughs> josh is shaking his head yeah um <laughs> yeah it's it's not great uh so i didn't embrace also had other things going on i was to work another job so i didn't embrace it but uh back then uh, the uh, the impression i was under was i could as an artist you know pitch my song to an influencer basically at that stage were there any success stories of that happening before you know you you fully started working with labels and and you know the sound library moved on and all the rest How, how did it work back then so it initially was, yeah. So we would, um, and it's crazy to think now because we didn't quite realize. I was always racking my brain to go, I know this can sort of scale up into a into a new dimension. I just didn't know. How. Yeah. And so we remained, I think, for about a year in the independent space, where, as you said, it was self-serving. You would go on, you would buy coins. Um, yeah. And we and I remember speaking to labels and saying, you know, we've just done this campaign for roller skaters for this song. And, you know, you buy a coin and, and we spent 25 pounds and we got X amount of hundreds of thousands of streams on reels. And it was just kind of this new concept. And it was a real tricky thing to try and break through to creators, sorry, to labels, um, because I would get on calls with labels and there would be this sort of, you know, older dinosaur executive that would say, well, you know, why should we be using this? And And I really sort of try to transition them from spending on Facebook and those spaces to actually there's so much value here. There's nothing mm. like it where you can see human beings using your music in their content. So the initial stage was, um, you know, micro budgets, really. It was sort of we would have, you know, artists coming on and, and putting what they could into it and and getting that. And I think we just the real transition for us was sort of our growth was partly just the industry changing and the the. Uh, saturation of the market and the expectation of, of prices for influencers realizing the value of it which made it more difficult for independent artists to actually get enough value out of it so i think we were beginning to see that that the results weren't sort of as impacted on the if you're spending 10 pounds right it sort of it yeah. grew very quickly into that into that new space but we at the same time we were still seeing these inc- incredibly overachieving results um yeah because the market was so undervalued and it wasn't there so we were just seeing independent artists using it and, and um i think one artist that comes to mind was um when we started it was like monica risky that we we worked with um and she was you know really avid user on it and and we got you know her songs into some really great content and it was on the app so it was there was sort of some micro case studies around independent using it but i think it was more the sort of energy of the collective of that of the sort of aggregate across all of the content and all of the creators just seeing you know these hundreds of pieces of content that we were putting in um creating through songs a week that gave us that foundation and learnings to go wow this could actually be hugely valuable um to people that can scale this and and we that was sort of the beginning of it for us 
So it sounds great on both sides then for the people making the content and then for the for the artists. It's there's a promotion and then pay. You're you're getting a trade off there. Yeah. Uh, who are the people you're working with? The content creators, all kinds of people, I'd say. Now it is yeah. So we so we've built this network. I mean, we've got sort of fifteen twenty thousand creators across all regions now. So we're working. Wow. You know, we've kind of snowballed the the community of creators, um, really from a thousand followers to millions of followers. So our main primary network is the sort of micro mid tier range so you know thousand followers to say a few hundred thousand that's where we're seeing the kind of waves of content that we're able to activate wow. and then we would occasionally work on the kind of higher end um and most campaigns the framework of it would be a volume of micros mid tiers so the concept for us and the philosophy we have was was anyone's an influencer and that was sort of the, yeah. the initial stage that if you're posting music you can influence someone you could be posting about very niche content and everyone has an interesting audience that needs, that can be sort of, you know, I guess leveraged for, for an artist and can be a great yeah. way to plug into that, whether it's gaming or whether it's, uh, you know, Smurfs, it doesn't really matter. It's like, you're going to be finding um, certain aspects to that with your music. So we kind of will activate lots of those and then we'll do the sort of macro sides as well within it. Cool. You, you mentioned like Gabriel's sync placement on the John Lewis ad and like back in the day, like Damien Rice would have had his music on house or whatever the show was, it like translated to yeah. like, sales. But it seems like you cracked the version of that in the streaming age, which is so interesting that it's like some fella in his living room in Ohio and he's the sync. <laughs> like that's the person you need to yeah. get to, not the... It, like I don't think if my song went on a show now, I don't think it would really do anything for it. But if, it could get, if it was like a sound on whoever tiktokers thing that i was just listening to talk about yeah the power is like shifting yeah it's mad the switch because a couple of episodes ago we had linda kugenburn on who's like pr expert and everything and yeah yeah she was saying how like sync agents when all these big movie streaming houses came along the sync agents became like the most powerful people in music because they were breaking cold play and putting these singles on the on the you know on their tv shows and they were becoming huge now like you said it's Jimmy from Ohio who tweets about gaming can put on a song in the background and it and it could explode, you know. It's so cool, Josh. It's so, so cool. Have you had, like, what challenges have you faced in all of this in the last couple of years, say, as as it's really grown and, and, and you've kind of, as you said, streamlined into what you are now? Like, what, what have been the challenges? I imagine, like, it, there's lots of legal challenges to navigate. There's all sorts of stuff you must have to deal with. Um, what comes to mind is the toughest um there's been many <laughs> there's been many uh, <laughs> sort of yeah i i think internally I, i'm young on the outside but internally probably not uh, <laughs> it, it becomes that and you and so i think you embrace that i think when you go through these routes because i i, I repeat to myself every day if it was easy everyone would be doing it and that kind of yeah. gets me through all those moments and you really want to feel those challenges and you want it to feel you want to feel the burn in those moments that you're going through because it makes you realize this is uncharted ground and these are difficult areas and you can't just take it off the shelf and if you could then as i said anyone but everyone would be doing it and it would have been done yeah and there wouldn't be a space for you so i think initially and going back to what we were saying about the the sync side, I remember meeting with my lawyer, Tom, and he was involved with Spotify's round and he's this incredible, uh, wacky American intelligent guy. And he was in music before. And I remember telling him the concept and going, I've because I, I met with him to actually tell him about where I was going to take Zebra. So initially when we were just a, a sort of uh, discovery app, 
my first sort of vertical was okay we'll go into distribution and we'll become a you know a distro kid type and the artists that are on there and he was like well yeah i mean you could it's not that exciting and i said well i've actually got this idea in my I've got this other idea this is like end of the meeting you know that's like 900 pound a minute <laughs> I said, i've got this other idea um it's, a, it's for this and i explained what we do now and he said well he, and he, he sort of took him a sec and he goes well well just be prepared to be the most hated guy in the music industry because <laughs> the space has been fighting to get money to be placed into content the concept's kind of flipped on its head you know in sync you get paid for that feature yeah but i saw it as the the, the greater leverage was actually in the exposure and the discovery and going back to gabrielle's moment you know, the greater leverage for her was the the rocket fuel it gave for, for her to be thrown out everywhere and for her music to be discovered. And that brought so much attention. So it was finding that into other areas that actually, you know, when you look at the vlogger, should they be paying to use your music? No, you should actually be paying them. And that was the that was the kind of turning point, which has become the norm now as we see it. But in the beginning, it was yeah. quite a challenge to sort of explain that to people. And most people didn't get it originally. So it was Definitely a slow start in in the aspect, but the ones who did were very invested and very proactive with it. So our initial beginning was the, and also the kind of chicken and egg scenario for us, because we had a creator network that were waiting to receive um, opportunities. And then we had the clients that were going to pay for these opportunities and you're trying to keep both balanced and without one, the other doesn't work. So to really yeah. sort of build that momentum very quickly to give everyone optionality and actually bring them great songs. So I think legally I went to Tom with originally it was SoundCloud's terms conditions. Um, I was like, can we just change? This? Wow. You know, can we just like search SoundCloud, just change? And he's like, no, 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 we need to. So we had to rewrite everything there. So it's, it's a, it's a, a long beginning and, and dark days that you launch it within and you have to be so naive and optimistic to not know too much about the space because i think if i knew what i know now i probably wouldn't have done it <laughs> uh, you know most people wouldn't right yeah. of course i yeah. would because it's amazing but it's it's um you don't want to know too much about that and i think that's beginning anything you want to kind of go in a little bit naive so that really helped i think helped me just kind of dance around the the minds a little bit um and sort of figure out where it was going to go and i think and the real turning point was the and then you go through a whole multitude of things i i love i think one of my favorite founders who speaks very transparently is like is brian chesky of airbnb and he does some amazing talks he said you know your first phase of launching is finding a hundred people that love what you do and your product and then and that's really important not a thousand that like it like a hundred people that really love it really really enjoy it and then that's where you scale and then you go through the first phase where you're just putting out fires and then you go and that's what we were doing for so so long and then and then you once you get out of that ground he said and then everyone copies you and everyone wants to do what you do and then you have to go through and while you're putting out fires you're trying to compete with people copying you and so he says it in a really great way and 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 you progress in so many ways around the other thing I love that he says is how the company and your role in the company isn't like sports where you go from like amateur to semi-pro to pro as you would in tennis. You actually go from being a tennis player to a hockey player to a football player to a, to a horse rider because yeah. you go to, into so many, you're doing so many different things. Like my my day-to-day -day changes so much. So I think it's being adapting to that as well and finding good people. I think the, the key element to our success as a company has been our team and having incredible culture and incredible people in the team. And I think hiring and firing um, is a real growth period where 
that's yeah. such a, an important factor because most companies don't actually there's a st- an amazing stat where it's like you know most companies don't actually fail or close because of of market it's actually just because of internal toxic culture and internal teams and just internal collapsing of that mm. not working and that's so important yeah. to get right similar to Hudson Taylor <laughs> I know I know all about that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the new CEO does <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah no exactly I, I mean and yeah just just from the way you talk about how you know uh, you and your colleagues work it's it seems like a really nice environment and that's you know infectious and it's obviously you know doing very well for you know morale and spirits and people want the company to do well and you are doing well you're smashing it um, <laughs> when when was like the moment you went, okay, this is clicking now. I, you know, I've either got this thing that I've always wanted or, you know, this thing happened that was completely accidental. Mm. But what was the, the moment where you went, this is happening? Like, what was it a campaign, a particular artist or a song or? Yeah, it was, it was a really vivid campaign, actually. So I think it was 2021, um, end of 2021, where we had started to have, we were having a good year and starting to do work with a lot of unlocks of, of, of labels and very quickly is, is you know you sort of go from not working with anyone known in the independent space to you get one label on and suddenly you're doing Beyonce right and and it sort of looks like it's great but it's just the nature of the labels and that's their religion so, yeah but what then happens is you have to really be grounded to go right we've got to make sure we're impressing and and it's because they can use anyone and this is an opportunity and we've got in really early so we were doing lots of exciting projects um, for labels. And there was this one particular moment where we were really able to utilize our potential because we're not set up like a traditional, a traditional agency where we represent creators or we would, we don't put forward like four love Islanders and that's the whole budget. We go and get, you know, a volume. I look at our approaches like Moneyball, where instead of replacing three key players in Moneyball, we go for the aggregate and we'll get you 400 pieces of content. And out of that, you know, 30 will do well. One could come up with a really great idea and that travels the rest of it. So it's it's very much a volume game for how we do things. And then one could randomly snowball out of your control because you're putting so many things out there, similar to the way of like, you're on the field if you're putting out these pieces of things you know it's it's on the it's on it's on the pitch yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, so, yeah. so interesting yeah yeah you've got more sort of reach more opportunity more fishing lines that yeah. stuff to happen uh, but yeah. that's been important for us and then we had a moment with warner actually and it was for um it was for the mist and burner boy track rolling and i think an agency had passed it on because they couldn't achieve 40 fitness influencers that were required that the label wanted to do because for them on a normal campaign, it was too excessive. Yet we were sort of perfectly aligned because we could get lots of activation very quickly and we can do it within 24 hours. So once we had wow. hit that campaign out and I actually shifted, I got on a call with Warren. I was like, you know what? I'm going to jump on a call with them and tell them what I believe the campaign should go towards. And and I, it was a bit of a sort of ballsy decision because we weren't in a place to have a voice yet. We hadn't proven ourselves. So I to jump on the floor and said, yeah. guys, I don't think we should do this pull-up challenge that you want to do. I think we should seed the content into cars, fitness, and house tours, because that's where the track just seems to work really well. It's the communities on, on TikTok's working. And they went, okay, cool, we'll take your lead. We did it. We smashed it. And I've got this email that wow. I've still got printed in the office, um, which basically says, hey, Josh, we'd like to add X amount more, which was more money than we'd ever seen on a, on a project. Um, due to the, the sort of direction that you suggested, the results have been amazing. We'd like to do this, wow. et cetera. Thanks so much. And they acknowledged, which was so lovely, and they acknowledged that we 
creatively decided where to go, which I think put us on the map in 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 the label. Um, and the results were incredible. And it was our first number one sound on TikTok. So we got it to like number one trending on the TikTok. Channel. Wow. And it was up there. And that was a just a, a, a big moment for us. And I think from there, um, the kind of rest just followed and it allowed us to have a really great case study and writing case studies is, I think, you know, agencies that aren't writing case studies don't have anything to kind of share about. So as if you can write as many as possible and we're very transparent on those. So that was a yeah. turning point for us to then use that blueprint of success and, and take it into, you know, other tracks and other, other genres as well. Yeah, well, that was also an, another case study, Ray, uh, what we spoke about. That was the one I was reading. Uh, the Ray from, one. From, from your yeah. website, yeah, which was uh, a sped up a sped up sound. Yeah, so the Ray one was, um, so I, I, I mean, Ray's whole project is incredible, where she's obviously working with The Orchard. Um, that's who we were working with for it and going independent. I don't think we actually worked with her pre leaving i think it was polydor wasn't it yeah. so i think when she had yeah. gone independent it was an exciting moment for us because we'd sort of come from that space and they had in, as much as they had in support and investment i think that's quite good for artists to know it was still an independent mindset where they had the flexibility and they could kind of activate and, and move on things as they wanted to so yeah when we got involved in that there was sort of some beginning traction and we were there just to really kind of fan the flames and activate more and more. So there were multiple versions of the sound that were being done. So sped up. So that's been a strategy yeah. we've used for lots of things, even with like Samson's Unholy was a, was probably the biggest win we had at that time as well, where again, it, it was one of those kind of big art, you know, overarching campaigns where we were able to really experiment and really go to town because we had had the trust of the labels. Um, yeah. So I think when Ray came along, it was us just, working on it for months and months and activating various sounds. So there was a sped up sound. Um, there was obviously the original and then them sort of remixes. Another good one to analyze is Cat Burns Go, which is one of my favorites um, that was amazing with RCA where we worked on it for six months, but there were, I think five, six different versions of that sound. And they really nailed that concept of going, here's the original one. Let's push this. Then we did a lower, slower version, then a higher, faster and then a Goddard remix, and then a Sam Smith feature. So they were able to sort of carry over learnings from each song. And the ones that worked well on the higher faster, you're able to retarget those creators for the Goddard remix. So you're sort of building these cases as you progress. And I think so cool. Yeah, so cool. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great way for for artists to realize you can be patient with songs as well, because you, you look at even with Ray Escapism, it wasn't a sort of an immediate thing. It was a progression of, of lots of ideas and lots of, there wasn't one particular thing that pushed it. You go on the sound now, there's it's sort of splintered into lots of different communities and various ideas. And I think that's where you yeah. can be quite patient to realize that averagely that we're seeing songs are peaking like week 16 to 18 in the charts. You look at Noah Khan, yeah we worked on stick season when it first came out and it's number one at the moment. And that's almost two years since it wow. came out. So you've almost got this micro catalog element to songs now where, you know, it can be a, a, a longer game. I was about to ask you about that as well. Um, that's actually my last question was no, I can, cause I, I was looking at your case studies and that was one of them. It was Dial drunk popped up and Dial drunk, yeah. it was so interesting. We mentioned him earlier in, in this episode of like, he he's cracked TikTok for this whole album. I think he's released his final version of the album, which is like the third one, basically. It's like the second extended version of the album. But like, I I think it's just mad to see from the, as the consumer, the person like taking it in. It feels like 
it's this really natural thing. And then it's interesting to see that there's like the strategy behind it to get it to hit and to get the songs to reach the right audiences and you know, do well on TikTok. It, that was like, it's, it's like finding a Santa wasn't real or something. I don't know. <laughs> finding out that that was involved. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's similar to finding out, you know, with, with the PR episode and how you get a song on the radio or how you get a song pitched to, yeah. you know, this is like, it feels like it's the modern version of that. Like when you're pitching songs to creators, you're not like, telling them what to do josh they're, or, or you are to an extent but they're very much leading the content mm. and they're doing what they do but but they're just featuring the music you send them yeah so there's a mix of that so i think that because there's so much historic data now on tiktok and socials where you can identify certain creators that work well in niches you're not looking for just the vanilla kind of influencer that we assume or that is the stereotypical influencer that would is just being paid to do everything and everything looks really forced when you yeah. go into the kind of weeds of it and you go to a deeper level um you know we try and go to the snow level of inception where you're sort of looking at you know kind of <laughs> micros and mid-tiers that aren't being offered those nice. brand deals you, they're not kind of bookended by you know unboxing of clothings it's it's uh, just them posting stuff because they want to so we've really been able to with our sort of scaling the unscalable, find those types of creators. So I think when we approach them, we're already seeing this historic data of songs they've used and we can just go, look, here's the track, interpret it how you want. Um, so there's a mix of that and there's a mix of how we approach most things now is essentially coming up with a few ideas that guide creators to, to avoid yeah. it being too random. So one is, you know, targeting those kind of content pillars that we know work the sort of cinematic, the scenic ones, the, you know, working mm -hmm. on a, mm. a track called Ten Dollar Cowboy at the moment. And it's targeting, you know, <laughs> there's an obvious route to go. So you can, you can quite quickly yeah. go, right, we're going to be going, or like Morgan Wallen, when we worked on that, we did a big campaign in America, which is amazing. Um, it's very different to how we would work on Ice Spice Munch when we worked on that. So we're, we're not going to be, there's going to yeah. be a difference of the creators and they sort of know what to do with it. So that cool. factor, and then also coming up with a few guidances to it where we'll say, you know, here's the sort of three three or four ideas, pick which one resonates to you. So it makes what we do as a sort of a sort of automation to get to that because these creators are doing it every day and, and yeah, they we always get surprised by stuff. One of my favorite ones is Ray Prada, actually, um, as a campaign that we we worked on uh, Ray Prada after escapism. There was a, a moment where we basically did a challenge. So our challenge feature is comes up on the app and there's like checkpoints of prizes you can win. So it's incentivized based. There's no guarantee. So you will decide to enter if you, if you wish. So it comes up and it will say Ray Prada challenge unlocks um, at this time. We set a relatively open brief for this one. Uh, we ended up having, I think we had about 112 creators enter within the 24 hours, all posting their content, wow. all competing for prizes. One creator out of that 112, um, Heather came up with a, a, a reference, a, a video creative all on her own. And she just used the aged filter and was filming herself going, this is me as a grandma singing it, singing this track to my grandkids. And that was such a big cultural moment. <laughs> and I think she may have got 50, 100 pounds to the post. And it ended up getting, she averaged gets like 4,000 views. This video got 1.2 million views. We ended up seeing Molly May from Love Island use it um, seven days later for free, like organically. Um, there was this huge domino effect of all these other people doing it very quickly within a week. It was at 7,000 videos on this sound, all doing this, this, um, this trend. So then the following six weeks, we just put all our focus into getting more and more people doing that and leveraging 
and re referencing to that video. So I think that allowed us to identify something that worked. Whereas if we sat around a table with a crystal ball, we would have never have gone, this is what we're going to get people to do because you can't always yeah. sort of um, Id idolize those things. I think so you have to be quite open to what can happen. And as an artist, that's why it's really important that you can experiment as much as possible. And if you've got, yeah. you can be as proactive as possible. You can be trying all of these different things. Like one of my favorites is Benson Boone, who we worked with very early. You would go on a sound and there would be 70,000 videos and he would be like 65,000 of them <laughs> because he would just be posting so many of, of different ideas and friends. And you look at in, um, I think the track was called in the stars um, and he would just post all of this, you know, sad sort of, uh, you know, pets dying or romantic comment. It would be this incredible um, feed of content that he would be doing, which would continuously be pushing ideas and, and trends and moments that other people can pick up. So I think the more proactive you can be on that side for free as well is amazing. So when we see that with an artist, it's great. And that's where we're brought in most of the time to where an artist isn't that active and we can kind of yeah. help initiate things. Cool. Finon, you got any, any questions? I have a few. No, I'm, I'm still thinking about that inception metaphor. That was such a good way of putting it. Um, just like the levels. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, you're planting it in their head and then you'll, yeah. But um, do you think TikTok will reach a peak at some point? There? The um, the industry will move on to a new, whether it's AI or the metaverse or you see like Fortnite concerts and shit like that. Like, what do you see like with the sped up versions now of songs being released and I don't, yeah what's your view of it now like what's the next five years in your eyes if you can't say i don't know if, if that would just be shooting yourself no it's a, yeah it's a big question it's something i think as as um so my role at the company is to be in the in the crow's nest and be looking at that you know uh, from a business sort of owner standpoint it's you know i read so i'm listening to something i think it was the airbnb guy and he was like your job as a business owner is to look after it make sure your team are happy and figure out where you're going next. And I think those are the kind of only two things you really do um, yes. in most part. And it's sort of always that for me. I'm always, you know, I'm on TikTok more than most, you know, 15-year-old girls. And I've sort of <laughs> see... Uh, That's the quote. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, what sort of videos are you making, Josh? I <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. as, not as a, a, like a private account. But do my dancing dance. But it's important because, you know, my, my sort of my eyes have suffered from it and I, I you know, my, my retinas have, have gone. But um, <laughs> but I've, I've, I know like every trend that's happened in the last four years and, and that's yeah. helped us as a, as a company and that um, and the team are so good at that. So we're, we're constantly sort of figuring and navigating the space. Um, there's always going to be that shift. And I think there's been a lot of things that have happened. I, the, the VR space, the gamer space, as you mentioned with Fortnite, has always excited me mm. because it's the same thing it's just a, a sort of photocopied version of attention it's all, as long as it's attention is driving attention yeah. it can be converted somewhere so there's definitely a younger demographic i think it's a third of americans under 18 are using things like roblox which is incredible um yeah so that's got my attention at the moment so we're sort of you know oh, yeah. seeing where that goes um and um exploring ideas there i think it feels we're a little bit too early for those VR spaces. You look at the your new Apple headset, but there's always going to be, I think for yeah. us, it's just following the attention, um, wh wh yeah. whichever platform it is. There were moments of Be Real that came around. Well, yeah. I think there's always going, going to, yeah, right. There's always going to be a version of, 
And I think yeah. being it with TikTok, we've seen, you know, the the talk when TikTok almost got taken down by America. It's always going to funnel somewhere. I think it's more about the behavior that is the best thing to observe. And what we look at the most is the entertainment aspect of it and the behaviors of that. And what are the kids doing? That's not going away and it'll go on any app, mm. wherever, like you said, Roblox. Yeah, it would just, it would just splinter someone out somewhere else. You look at it. I think a really good example I always love to look at is Napster. When you look at Napster, the behavior is already yeah. there as much, and the industry shut it down. Whereas you listen to the Dawn yeah. Parker interviews yeah. where he said, we try to make a deal with labels um, where we could try and monetize this for them. And I think, and what ended up happening is they shut Napster down and it just splintered into all of these various places, which made it impossible to collect. So I think yeah. It's mm. trying to harness that for labels. And, and that's what they're, I think that's partly the whole battle that they've always had as it's gone from one channel and one MTV aspect that you can control and print CDs from to now it's yeah. everywhere. Mm. So yeah, yeah, we're always um I'm here for the ride to figure out what's next or cool. part of it. Yeah. And on sure. that, any 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 inside knowledge on what's going on with Universal and TikTok? Um or can you say? I mean, I know it's probably <laughs> I mean from outside it's really just making sure our I mean it's been manic for us the last few weeks where we've been in a lucky spot where we diversified ourselves quite early. So about a year and a half ago we, we shifted to launching everything that we do as parallel on reels and other platforms. So yeah. we've been essentially shifting everything um in the last sort of you know two weeks from TikTok to Reels, which has been actually really exciting. I have actually been quite excited. I mean, you can look at it as two ways, but from our side as a, as a, you know, having, uh, being a sort of executor for these labels is just being excited in how we can continue to drive where that's gone. I think it's going to shake the space up. It's going to cut out a lot of the pirates in the space of agencies and individuals that are sort of, you know, acting as agencies and doing that side. And, and, um, it will shake up that for creators to to make sure they're diversifying themselves. We've been shouting about reels for a long time. So from our side, it's been, everything's being shifted over there as a primary platform. And that's been a great way to see lots and lots of value and lots of um, exposure. There's such an undervalued market there. So I think creators and artists should definitely be focusing there because there's going to be naturally more heat being added behind it because reels are going to want to keep that retention and, and, keep the lottery effect that you can upload a video and you can get more and more exposure. So I think that's a okay. good win at the moment. Um, and from the relationship side, I have no idea. If it, if it, for us, it feels like we're a sort of nine-year-old and our parents are arguing and we're just, <laughs> we're just we've kind of just gone to our room and you know, yeah. like not really much we can sort two of, two Christmases, you know, yeah, yeah it's two Christmases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, now that's so interesting, Josh. And then just there on the last kind of point there on the new artists. So you're saying Reels is a good space to watch and all the rest. Like what's, say me, for example, where, what should I do with TikTok with all this information and, and everything you have? Like I'm re- going to be releasing music this year. How can I maximize its potential? I think some of the things I said earlier with just being um, is on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely making an account is a is a yeah. <laughs> yeah. Start posting, but um, but just being as you know, I, I always say it when I get questions where it's like I've got X amount of budget. What do you suggest? And I think any any sort of space of an independent artist is doing as much as you can for free. There's so much free value you can get out of it. 
um, where you can just be as proactive to be posting as much as possible and experiments. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to sort of consume the platform and the cultural aspect that goes on there to really understand how you're going to find your space. And it's not so much following what else is working, but finding your truth and what you like to do. So posting about your music, posting about the podcast, posting about other things that you love, whether it's the ducks or the other things you're doing, it's posting your lifestyle and your brand and putting that across. And I think finding two or three things that are really strong as content pillars that you can post. So you're not throwing the algorithm off too much, making sure that there's retention for people to keep coming back to you because they come back yeah. because of that. So you could say, you know, part two of the ducks, da, 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 right? You've got, yes. You may have your music undercurrent, but yeah. people are going to yeah. come to you for that. And they're also going to veer into other things that you're promoting as well. So it's I very see. much kind of building that, that attention around what you're doing, what your brand is and doing as much, as much as you can for free, because there's so much, attention you can build um from just posting yourself doing that getting into the communities and then i think the step forward once you've established a bit of the okay these are the two or three things that are working for me on my tiktok i'm going to continue posting i think to go into any other aspects is then looking at how you can you know reach out into other communities that are aligned with yours or it depends how much sort of yeah. dedication you want to do to it. I really believe there's a space for everyone. And if you put enough time into it, everything you want is kind of just beyond that persistence and consistency of what you're doing. So we've seen it with all the artists that are winning now independently or that are getting signed, have been putting the work in over the last two years. And it's having that patience to go, you're probably going to do it for three months and not see anything. And that's okay. Yeah, And you can, might do it for six months and not see anything, but you'll get one moment and that will lead to the next. And it's just being yeah. as sort of um, forward thinking and, and active as you can be. That's absolutely brilliant advice, Josh. Yes. Yeah. So cool, man. I think, yeah, I think we've covered absolutely everything I wanted to cover. Yeah, if you know I think that's it. Look, if I make the social network too, can I cast you in it? Hey, Josh has done a bit of acting. He'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, nothing you want to see. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that. I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> Josh, thanks so much. Uh, are you, um, what are you up to for the rest of the day? Meetings? Rest of the, yeah, a lot of meetings. Um, we're just hitting out a lot of um, exciting projects at the moment. We're um, working on, what have we got going on? Lots of real stuff. We've just launched like a whole new development on our app um so just yeah throwing ourselves out there with cool, man. what's coming up cool. and what's next in the space oh that's sorry one more question i want to ask you we did this earlier in the show what's tiktok sound or tiktok song comes to mind for in your head with the first one to come um i think ocean ocean ally confidence comes into my head i don't know that I don't know. Yeah, I, no, I probably won't be able to. I won't be able to ignore it soon enough. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, stick season as well. I think no, I can't. Yeah, yeah, great. Which has been taken down. So that's oh, of course. Yeah, oh, well, that's yeah. an interesting one. Seeing that shift over to reels, which is, um, I think it's good to observe as many of those artists. That's what I love to to see as well. Because there's there's a, there's like a new wave of TikTok sounds that have come through now. Yeah, well, hey, you you got me onto all this just three years ago. I remember you saying four years ago now. It's going to be the thing. Reels is going to be the thing. TikTok is going to be the thing. So, yeah, it's crazy. Now, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Better get posting, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the studio tomorrow now, so I'll keep it in mind as I'm doing it. It's like, 
They'll do sped up versions. Yeah, we're getting yeah. posted. It's uh, always here to you know throw ideas in and yeah, help on. Like we just love to be reached out to. We get a lot of messages for stuff that people just want a little bit of advice, and it's nice to just hear that and know that you've there's hope out there and there's things you can do, and it's it's in your hands to actually activate stuff. And I think. Oh, it's yeah. it's really cool, man. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you've explained that so much just in being here and how you've gotten here. So it's yeah, yeah it's so so cool. Thanks so much. Yeah. Josh. No, thank you for having me on, guys. So really much. appreciate your time as well. No worries. Yeah. Oh, it's all good. Thanks. Yeah. No, appreciate it, guys. Thank so, you so much. Right, take care. Yeah, see you guys. You. See you, man. Bye. He's really nice, isn't he? He's a lovely fella. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns